The friendly skies of United Airlines are working to be the coronavirus-free skies. They were the first U.S. airline to mandate the COVID-19 vaccine for its employees. And yesterday, United said that they will put their unvaccinated employees on temporary leave starting October 2nd. To talk about how all of this is working, we're joined now by the CEO of United Airlines, Scott Kirby. Welcome. Thank you, Elsa. So let's start with vaccines, um, because the Biden administration just announced yesterday vaccine mandates for federal workers and for private companies with more than 100 employees. So I wanted to ask you, does does that recent Biden administration announcement help you or give you cover for your own vaccine mandate, which was announced back in early August? Well, it really doesn't impact what we were doing in any way. I encourage to see the president taking this step. But we did it because it was just the right thing to do. And because of that, uh, we were comfortable doing it a month ago. And by the end of this month, uh, we will have uh, all of our employees vaccinated. Well, tell me, how has your vaccine mandate been working so far? I'm curious about like what percentage of United employees have in fact complied since the announcement back in August? Well, well over 50% of our unvaccinated employees uh, have already been vaccinated. And the 50% of unvaccinated people who have since complied with the mandate, roughly, do you know the breakdown between customer-facing employees and non-customer-facing? Well, our customer-facing employees were already at much higher levels. So the largest increases have been on the ramp and in our technical operations group. But that's only because they started with the lowest vaccination rates. Okay. Well, for those employees who remain unvaccinated, some of them are getting exemptions, right, from the vaccine mandate, uh, either medical exemptions or religious exemptions. Employees who are granted one of these accommodations will still have to go on leave starting October 2nd. Let me ask you, is that paid or unpaid leave? Uh, So for all of our employees that have either a religious or a medical exemption that cannot be accommodated in the workplace, they'll go on unpaid leave. It varies by work group, but for customer-facing employees, uh, those employees will be on unpaid leave until the risk of COVID is low enough that we deem it safe. And for other groups, there will be testing requirements that will be put in place, but it's likely that they will be on unpaid leave for some period of time while we work out all the details and the logistics of the testing requirements and make sure that those testing requirements conform to their collective bargaining agreements. Practically speaking, though, I mean, no matter your efforts with vaccinating your employees, they are way outnumbered by all the passengers who board your planes. Are there plans to mandate vaccinations for passengers or require proof of vaccination before they can board your planes? I mean, just in fairness to your employees. I think that mandating vaccines for passengers is really a a government issue. For us to do that, we would probably require some sort of government uh, directive. We have prepared ourselves with technology to be able to upload vaccine cards and track that and implement it if the government ever chooses to go in that direction. Well, I mean, there are certain bars in this country that are mandating vaccination before people can come into the bar. Broadway is mandating vaccines. Why is it up to the government to mandate vaccines when it comes to airlines, but not in those other cases? Well, we're, you know, a federally regulated industry and 
you know, people are in terminals. They're not just our customers. So you go through a security checkpoint. It's to all airlines. It's TSA employees. It's employees at the airport. And so that's just an environment where I don't think it's appropriate for us as an individual business to make that decision and really one that we would need the federal government to take the lead on. Scott Kirby is the CEO of United Airlines. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. By the time Labor Day was officially recognized as a federal holiday in 1894, 30 states had their own tributes to workers and their achievements. History documents that workers in the 1800s worked 12-hour days, seven days a week. That included children who worked alongside their parents in mills and factories. The labor unions organized and fought for the changes so familiar to most American workers now. Paid time off and safe working conditions. But it didn't come without a protracted fight, including physical retaliation against protesting workers, including the Haymarket riot in Chicago, a violent confrontation immortalized as a symbol of the international struggle for workers' rights. Twelve years before Labor Day became real, 10,000 workers took to New York City streets. In a march from City Hall to Union Square, these determined workers walked off the job for the day, losing precious pay to take part in the parade. I couldn't help but notice the karmic synergy of this moment as 2020 workers are either walking away from their jobs or pledging to do so. In a survey last month, 55% of the surveyed workers said they are likely to look for new employment within the next year. Bankrate's August 2020 Job Seeker Survey also revealed that 28% of working Americans who aren't searching for new jobs expect to during the next year. Additionally, in another of the report's key findings, respondents identified three top work priorities, flexible working arrangements, higher pay, and ironically, job security. The Great Resignation, also known as the Big Quit, is no passing trend, but a significant shift. This Labor Day holiday arrives just as the topic of workers and their labor are dominating public forums and private discussions. Maybe for the first time in a long time, the holiday's focus is centered on the original reason for establishing the holiday, on the workers, the inspiration for the annual salute. Initially, the pandemic actually raised the stock of some American workers, from the appreciation for the frontline workers in the hospitals and testing centers to the essential staffers in grocery stores and behind the wheel of city buses. But as the pandemic dragged on and millions of workers were forced to join the ranks of the unemployed, many found themselves standing in food lines and at risk of losing housing despite federal and state emergency financial support. Who could have predicted that in the wake of closed businesses and millions of layoffs, workers would find their voices? Getting here has been painful. Like those pre-Labor Day demonstrators, today's workers are immersed in a post-COVID reassessment of work, reclaiming the value and purpose of their labor. 127 years later, this first Monday in September has become a cultural touchstone, the unofficial end of summer. The holiday's foundational purpose may still mostly be eclipsed by the traditional cookouts, retail sales, and parades, but the power of this moment can't be ignored, and workers may mark it as the first step of labor's new chapter. Callie Crossley, GBH, Boston's local NPR. 
Last summer, in the midst of the pandemic, a historic storm lashed through Cedar Rapids, Iowa, leaving billions of dollars in damages across the state. And you can yes. tell how many buildings were damaged. Yeah, there was another building right there at the corner yeah. that got completely destroyed. Pablo Ramirez hired a group of construction workers from Texas and Mexico to come help. Most of the workers did not speak English. He says he did not ask their immigration status. Ramirez hired the men as a labor broker for Blue Sky, a restoration construction company based in Colorado. Ramirez says he and the workers stayed here at one of the sites they were supposed to rehab. The conditions? Deplorable. They were not rentable. They were not rentable. For over three weeks, the men say they work without getting paid by Ramirez or Blue Sky, which had estimated revenues last year of $100 million. By the end of the month, they had run out of food. Royce Peterson is the head of the local carpenters union. In desperation, the workers turned to him for help. We found out that these six workers hadn't eaten in four days. Nothing? Nothing. I said, go buy them some groceries. Let's get these guys fed. Even though they weren't union members. We're out there to fight for the workers against unscrupulous contractors. And no matter who you are, if you're union or not, when Ramirez told Blue Sky the union was involved, he says they told him to fire the workers, who now had no food, no cash, and no place to live. This is where the guys stayed. This, you mm -hmm. welcomed the six. Yep. This is where they came. Reverend John Grieve opened his church to the workers, who slept among the pews that first night. How long did it take for you to decide you were going to cook them a meal? Less than five minutes. <laughs> you gave them the keys to the church? Yes, I did. Literally. They weren't strangers. You know, they were just people I didn't know. They asked for full and immediate payment. Meanwhile, a picket line was set up outside the workers' job site. The demand? Pay them. Pay them their back wages and pay them for their travel expenses. Facing mounting backlash, two Blue Sky executives flew in, agreeing to pay the workers after a day of negotiations in exchange for non-disclosure agreements. Wage theft victims are usually low-wage workers, sometimes undocumented, who are often too intimidated to complain. Experts say some companies hide behind labor brokers, claiming they never promised the workers anything. In a statement to NBC News, Blue Sky says their labor broker was the problem. The issue in Cedar Rapids arose because Mr. Ramirez failed to pay the people he personally hired, despite Blue Sky having paid Mr. Ramirez for that same work. Blue Sky says you're the one who messed this up. Yeah, they can say whatever they want, but they know the truth. It's estimated over $15 billion is stolen from workers every year. It truly is an invisible epidemic. Some of the wealthiest investors in the world are profiting from the work of some of the lowest paid workers. Investors like Dominus Capital, a New York-based private equity firm, which is the majority owner of Blue Sky. Dominus did not respond to numerous requests for comment, and Blue Sky declined to be interviewed. But Pablo Ramirez, who says because of all of this, he has lost his home, did agree to talk. Do you feel guilty? Yes, I feel guilty for bringing my, my, my own people here to have them work and not get them paid. When we contacted Blue Sky, they announced they'd be expanding their existing oversight program to ensure that partners paid workers fairly accurately and on time. Meanwhile, we've learned that city officials have Blue Sky under scrutiny in the city of Minneapolis. Canada. We should move to Canada. 
across Canada, different levels of government, the country's biggest banks, many private businesses have announced mandatory vaccine policies stating employees must be fully vaccinated before they can return to the office. So this obviously has raised a number of questions about enforcement, right? And what happens if an employee remains unvaccinated? With a closer look at the issues, I'm, I'm joined by Daniel Lublin, an employment lawyer. Nice to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. Good morning. All right, let's get right to it. Can an employer fire you if you decide you do not want to get vaccinated? An employer can't force you to put a needle in your arm, but they can make your continued employment conditional on having received a vaccine. And for those employees who choose not to vaccinate, they can be fired. However, in my opinion, in almost all of those cases, almost all, they should be paid severance. Okay, so you say there have been a number of cases where employees have been terminated for not getting vaccinated. We're likely to see a lot more of that, I'm assuming. What legal options do employees have if that happens? Well, let's start with whether or not an individual was terminated, and if so, whether or not they were paid severance. That's the really interesting and potentially perplexing legal question. I am seeing many instances where companies are using mandatory vaccination policies as an excuse to get rid of problematic employees and not pay them severance. And that's where I think there are cases. If you're going to introduce a mandatory vaccination policy, there's a way to do it without trampling on employee rights. The policy should be clear. They should be given with notice. And individuals should know what their options are. And probably if they don't want to vaccinate, there's a case for severance. Okay, so let's talk about exemptions, Daniel. We know there are medical exemptions. People allergic to ingredients in the vaccine, people who experience severe allergic reactions for heart inflammation after their first dose. And there's also religious exempt exemptions. Actually, there are not that many religions that are strictly anti-vax, but what kind of proof do you think companies will and can ask their workers to produce? This is where things are getting interesting. Traditionally, a doctor's note has been sufficient and satisfactory proof to demonstrate that you have an illness or medical condition that requires some form of accommodation. However, for whatever reason, when it comes to vaccination, I'm seeing a lot of employers question the legitimacy of some doctor's notes. In my view, that's not how the human rights law should be interpreted. If you can find a doctor that can verify that you have a legitimate medical condition that requires some form of accommodation, I think the analysis stops there and you should be provided with that accommodation. What if an employee provides an exemption and they are still laid off with severance? Is there any course of action they can take? Absolutely. That would be a discriminatory termination. An individual could sue for both wrongful dismissal and human rights damages. And in human rights courts, in addition to receiving wage loss recovery, you can potentially sue for reinstatement with back pay. Daniel, it's important to note in Canadian law, safety trumps privacy, right? Is that right? So in the future, do you predict a lot of cases being thrown out or do you think the courts will side with employees as opposed to employers? Well, I'm really excited to see how this is going to play out. And it's going to take some time for, the, for these types of cases to wind their ways through the system. But I think it's going to come down to this. It's going to be very industry specific. In certain industries, such as healthcare, there's probably a far greater case to be made for mandatory vaccinations. But in other industries where you can have adequate social distancing and employees can work remotely or on a hybrid basis, it may be more difficult for employers to up, uphold hardcore mandatory vaccination policies. All right, it's going to be an interesting road, that's for sure. Thanks for joining us this morning, Daniel. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. I watched a white riot in Portland, Oregon on television the other night. <laughs> the mayor did take action on another issue today, or rather he said the city 
will not take action. Actually, they, they can't take action. Look, here's the headline. The city of Portland will not mandate police officers to get the COVID vaccine. Every other city employee, they have to get it. Police, no. The mayor blames new guidance issued by the state, but not everyone's reading that guidance the same. Maggie Vespa here now. Now look, the Oregon Health Authority, they issued the new guidance and they talk about who's covered under the mandate. And the guidance literally says when talking about police that they are, quote, probably not covered. Probably, probably not. not. Right. This is official guidance from the state. It says probably not. And at this point, the city is taking that to mean they can't mandate police officers get the vaccine. At the same time, Multnomah County says specific to deputies, they're reevaluating whether they can mandate that, but they called the wording confusing. Mm. And then also there are lawsuits against the state kind of taking aim at these mandates, and this is definitely giving those some new fuel. With its ICUs still overwhelmed by COVID and more than a thousand new cases being reported every day, Oregon's vaccine mandates are back under a legal microscope, and the view is murky. That is not helpful. That is not helpful guidance at all. Attorney Dan Tanell is currently suing the state over vaccine mandates, and even he's confused by the Oregon Health Authority's latest guidance. Issued Friday, it states police officers are probably not subject to the state's mandate that all health care workers get vaccinated because, quote, it is likely not a fundamental part of their job to provide direct or indirect medical care. Officials had previously argued law enforcement officers were covered by the mandate because they're trained to provide basic first aid. What did you think when you read probably not? That's not really an answer. Probably not is um, a guess. As a result of the state's new guidance first reported by OPB, the city of Portland now says it cannot include police officers in its employee vaccine mandate. Mayor Ted Wheeler telling KGW in a statement, quote, I am disappointed that we can't hold all of our city employees to the same vaccine requirement. But he added state law prohibits it. Staff with Multnomah County aren't ready to write sheriff's deputies out of their employee mandate. A rep writing, we have reached out to the governor's office and the OHA for for clarification because the guidance was confusing. I'll likely get fired over this video. The shifts are just the latest examples amid mounting pushback against vaccine mandates. Earlier this month, Oregon State Police placed trooper Zachary Cowing on leave for blasting the requirement on Instagram. I have personal and religious reasons as to why I will not take the vaccine, but also the freedom to choose not to. Days later, dozens of state troopers and firefighters filed a lawsuit against the state and the governor, declaring mandates unlawful because they violate state and federal rights to freedom of expression. Tanel is the lawyer behind that lawsuit, and he says no one is denying COVID case rates are dire. The Oregon Health Authority reported 5,800 new cases of COVID-19 over the Labor Day weekend, and Governor Kate Brown defended vaccine mandates again Tuesday. COVID-19 is still very dangerous and unpredictable for those who are not yet vaccinated. Still, Tanel argues first responders who have signed up to serve the public shouldn't be forced. What do you say to people who are undoubtedly sitting at home, they're listening to this and they're just fed up and they and with, with vaccine resistance and they say, no, this is how you serve people by getting <laughs> vaccinated, protecting yourself, protecting others. That's the answer for them, but that doesn't mean they should impose that opinion on other people. 
Now, it is worth noting, because this isn't complex enough already, that state troopers are covered actually by two mandates. There's the health care worker one, which is now in question thanks to this guidance. And then there's a second mandate that all state employees, everybody, gets the COVID vaccine by October 18th. And right now, that one still stands. And, Dan, that's what this lawsuit is going after. Back to Portland police, though. How do they feel about this exemption? Yeah, so the labor union hasn't gotten back to us, and that's pretty rare. They're pretty vocal, as you know. So I'll let you know if that changes. The bureau itself is not taking a stance on this vaccine mandate. And they also told us they don't have hard data as to how many officers have gotten the vaccine at this point, but they believe most Portland police officers have. Now, we were talking about this earlier, how this bit of new fuel might inspire some other lawsuits. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's the one lawsuit already. And then that lawyer that I talked to, Dan Tanell, he said, my phone has been flooded. Mm -hmm. He estimated 500 calls from state employees across Oregon. And we're not talking about law enforcement. He said the Department of Forestry, DHS, ODOT. And he told me he expects to file more lawsuits in the coming days. Not surprising. All right, Maggie Vespa, thank you. Sure. This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you. That obviously was President Biden yesterday anticipating some of the pushback from Republican lawmakers and maybe other libertarians as he put forth his most sweeping and aggressive plan to get more Americans vaccinated. Here's some of what's in it, if you haven't heard the details. According to executive orders, companies with 100 or more employees must mandate vaccines or commit to weekly testing. All federal workers must be vaccinated. Most health care workers in hospitals, ambulatory settings, and home health aides will now have to get vaccinated or lose their jobs. The president said he'll require all employers to offer paid time off for vaccination, and he called on all states to adopt vaccine requirements for all school workers. He said he'll make at-home test kits more affordable, expand testing availability overall, and double fines for not wearing a mask while traveling. That is just some of what the president announced yesterday. So with me now to dig into more of this are New York Times reporters Cheryl Gay Stolberg, Washington correspondent covering health policy, and Apoorva Mandevilli, who covers science and global health. Apoorva, Cheryl, welcome back to WNYC. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So, Apurva, up till this point, Biden had been fairly conservative on vaccine mandates, not generally willing to exercise that power. What changed? I think what changed is that we really have not seen as much of an uptick in vaccinations as we needed to. And then in the meantime, the numbers of cases and hospitalizations and deaths have just kept going up. It's just become very, very clear that the current rate of vaccinations is just not going to be enough to keep this virus at bay. And Cheryl, the president didn't miss words directing his ire at the 80 million or so eligible unvaccinated saying, quote, our patience is wearing thin and your refusal has cost all of us. I think he was channeling a lot of what a lot of vaccinated Americans feel. I'm sure you hear it as you move around, you know, what some vaccinated people are saying about the unvaccinated these days. I'm curious um, how much of an impact you think these new measures or his new attitude might have. Well, I think it's unclear. You know, the vaccine and COVID generally has been very polarizing in our country. And there's some reason to think that President Biden telling his opponents what to do will only make them dig in further. 
that's actually why he went to a mandate. He tried everything else. He tried cajoling. He tried pleading. He tried speaking nicely. He tried incentives. States offered a million dollar, you know, lottery if you if you would just get vaccinated. And I think he realized that he was at the end of his bag of tricks. And so he had to be kind of the bad parent and say, you know what, I asked you to do this. You wouldn't do it. Now I'm going to make you do it. Um, but we will see resistance. We're already seeing Republican governors saying it's unconstitutional. We're going to sue. We're seeing unions say we would like this to be a subject of collective bargaining. It's a matter of employee rights. So um, I think that it will not be as easy as simply saying you must get vaccinated. There will be hurdles ahead. And Cheryl, let me stay with you for a follow-up question, since you're the, the policy reporter, Apoorva is more the, the science reporter. Um, under the plan, private sector businesses that have 100 or more employees will have to require vaccination or mandatory weekly testing. That's an order from the president on private companies. Does the president have the power to impose such a rule on private businesses? Well, legal experts say that President Biden is on very solid ground. Companies are required to abide by federal health and safety standards. Uh, we all know about OSHA, the Workplace Safety Organization, um, and OSHA will enforce this rule as it enforces other rules to guarantee the safety of workers. So uh, he is, according to numerous experts that I've talked to, on solid ground. That doesn't mean there won't be lawsuits. And or what? In other words, what happens to companies that refuse to comply, assuming this policy is upheld? I think what happens is what happens in any situation where there's an OSHA violation. So, you know, let's say you're, I don't know, forcing employees to work in uh, in a factory and it's the heat is 100 degrees or whatever. It's, um, you know, OSHA comes in, they, they issue a citation and then I believe it goes through either some kind of administrative proceeding to get the company into compliance. And if that doesn't work, I think they can go to the courts, although I am not a labor lawyer, so don't hold me to that. <laughs> and Apoorva, for you as a health and science reporter, um, maybe it's worth reminding people of what's at stake. I mean, we're back up to 1,500 COVID-related deaths per day in the United States or thereabouts, and almost every single one is coming in an unvaccinated person. That's right. And those numbers have actually been continuing to go up. And despite all of the attention on breakthrough infections, it is actually extremely clear that the vast, vast majority of hospitalizations and deaths are happening in unvaccinated people. And any of the breakthrough infections that you're hearing about are mostly happening in older people and immunocompromised people. So it is absolutely crucial to get to these younger, unvaccinated people who are circulating the virus and the older people who are really at high risk. We have to do that, not just in the short term to cut down these numbers, but even in the long term, because this virus has, is not going anywhere. It is here to stay. And you've done reporting on people who won't get the vaccine. Um, and I, I think for a lot of people who have already gotten the shots, the refusal of health care workers sounds especially perplexing. The fact that that seems to be, um, you know, a population that's 
refusing vaccines about at the rate of anybody else, despite uh, how exposed they get to people who presumably might have COVID. Do you have insight into that? And, and could these new rules uh, start a wave of either mass vaccination or mass retirement in the healthcare sector? I think the mass retirement is a real possibility. There, there are some you know, surveys showing that uh, uh, as many as a third of healthcare workers are contemplating retiring from the profession. Some of them are close to retirement age anyway, and others may get pushed out by this. But really, there is no alternative because when you have somebody with COVID coming into the hospital and the vast majority of these people have vulnerabilities, they're coming in because they are already frail in some other way, it is absolutely imperative for the hospitals to protect them. And this is why we have all of these rules. Um, this is why we ask hospitals to make sure that patients are protected and safe. And so this this vaccine mandate is not really all that different than, you know, asking doctors to wear gloves or, you know, taking sterile precautions. It's really along those lines if you think about it. Ultimately, the hospitals are responsible for keeping their patients safe. They're anticipating a lot of retirements uh, in New York City among teachers with the vaccine requirement that Mayor de Blasio is imposing. We're going to ask him about that in our upcoming segment, is there going to be a teacher shortage in New York City this school year as as a result of his vaccine mandate? And Lawrence in Manhattan, you're on WNYC. Hi, Lawrence. Yes, hi. Is it true that the postal workers are not going to be mandated to be vaccinated? And, and if that's so, how come? Do you know, Cheryl? So I actually inquired about this uh, last night, lucky for me, I have a friend who represents the Rural Carriers Union. He's a lawyer, and he wrote me last night saying that uh, he believes the postal workers are exempt. But then he wrote me again this morning saying he's not so sure, in his words, quote, a lot of rumors out there. So, um, uh, so I'm sorry, that's a very unsatisfying answer. Um, but I, I don't know, and this is, in fact, one of the things that I was going to be looking into today to try to sort this out. But wait, aren't postal workers federal employees? So it would be well, a simple yes that they would be covered under the president's order? Apparently not. So here's the, here's the thing about that. The president's order covers executive branch employees. So that's all federal agencies. It's not uh, employees of Congress uh, or the uh, courts. Uh -huh. The Postal Service is an independent agency of the executive branch. And that independent agency status is what I think is creating some murkiness about whether or not they're covered. Edward in Manhattan, you're on WNYC. Hi, Edward. Yeah, hi. Uh, it's interesting on 9-11, you know, people were stereotyped, Muslims were stereotyped and scapegoated because people were afraid of them, right? They saw them as terrorists because we saw Muslims striking on 9-11. And we were told, you know, all these things that Bloomberg did, all these things that Bush did were wrong, right? But now anti-vaxxers or people who are just against an mRNA vaccine, not all vaccines, for example, are stereotyped as well, you see? And so how, how is that any different? How is it different mandating certain people who might have many various reasons for not taking the vaccine? OK. And furthermore, there was a study by AP just a, a few weeks ago that said vaccinated people can carry as much virus as others. So you can still transmit the disease. It, the, the virus does not care if you're vaccinated. Maybe your symptoms will be less. But the transmission is, is just as great. And the viral load is just as great. And so Edward, can, I'm going to put that question to Apoorva. In a minute, that's a legitimate science question. But on the stereotyping, um, 
it's not stereotyping to impose health requirements that protect members of the community. The and, same thing was said about the Jews. The Jews supposedly carry typhoid. Oh black boy. people, you weren't supposed to drink. At, you weren't supposed to drink from fountains in the South because because blacks carry disease. Yes, except that um, we know that there's a real outbreak and that the lack of vaccination among a quarter or so of the population is a reason that we are not ending this outbreak or this pandemic in this country. So it's such a specious argument and it's offensive, frankly, uh, to Jews and blacks and other people who you bring up. But Apoorva, let me ask you his science question, um, because there is a real question there in that part of his call. Uh, we know that even vaccinated people are transmitting the virus uh, at rates that we hoped would not be the case when the vaccines first came in. So how does vaccination stop transmission of the virus? So this idea that vaccinated people may be just as likely to transmit was the case several weeks ago. but uh, And that was based really on an observation that very early in infection, vaccinated people can carry just as much virus in their nose and throat as unvaccinated people do. But since then, there have been several studies and scientists have been able to show that even though at that very early stage, people may have just the same amount of virus, regardless of vaccination status, in somebody who is vaccinated, the immune system kicks in very quickly and gets rid of that virus. So if an unvaccinated person is infectious for, let's say, 10 days, the vaccinated person is infectious for just two or three days. So you're talking about a much narrower window, and you're also talking about the immune system getting rid of the vast majority of the virus very quickly. So this this idea of them being the same is only true for a very short period of time. Overall, a vaccinated person will have much, much fewer chance of infecting somebody else than someone who's unvaccinated. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, September 10, 2021. So I have been told this is our weekly broadcast neutralizing workplace racism. Hopefully, we will offer suggestions to help victims of racism, non-white people, solve problems without creating new problems in their work environment. Uh, if you work with non-white people, white people, self-employed as they call it, whatever the case, feel free to dial in, especially if you have figured out some things that work well to help you solve problems, whether or not it's with the vaccine situation whether or not it's just, hey, keeping race soldiers and or victims from disrupting you in the workplace, making sure you get your vacation time, your PTO, those type of things, minimizing problems as best you can. Do not spectate if you have figured out, oh, saying this, doing this, not saying this, using this specific piece of policy and procedure can be helpful in thwarting this specific racist effort. Whatever it might be, feel free to share. Number again is 720-716-7300. The code 
943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate certainly if you are having any difficulties or would just like some input about what's happening in your work situation certainly dial in we will do our best to help you uh, use logic to apply to what you are experiencing uh, but as I said hey if you are working and you have figured out hey it seems like I have figured out one or two techniques that help solve some problems, keep racists from bothering me, minimize conflict with non-white people in the workplace. I know we've had lots of people over the years who have talked about all kinds of problems with other non-white people that they work with. If you figured out some things that help kind of keep things peaceful, amicable, professional in the work environment, share. Number again, 720 seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate again this broadcast not for spectators this continues to be just I mean a radical time uh, meaning extraordinarily uh, changes and just you it seems like you never really know what's going to happen you have to check in each day to see what the new policies are what the new procedure is what's going to be required now are we taking it seriously how's it going to be enforced like man crazy times especially in the workplace uh if you are in a work environment where this is not the case where things is was it business as usual Things are going just like it's 2017. Well, man, you shouldn't spectate either because we would love to hear about that. I personally would. <laughs> like, how is that? Like, everybody's just doing the same thing that they used to do. No big deal. If things have changed, yes, let us know. How are you adjusting? Has it caused you to shift your code around? Uh, just it is uh, unprecedented times continue uh, on the plantation in all areas of people activity. Let's see, getting to some of the specific uh, reports that we heard, lots of punitive measures uh, being taken. I think that's first report that we started with United Airlines on putting the so-called unvaccinated on leave, unpaid leave until October, at least lots of different measures like that. I've even certain universities not all, but certain universities, they are disenrolling students if they are not fully vaccinated, no longer on campus. Get out of here. Said that for some faculty members as well. President Biden yesterday making that announcement. Hey, got to be vaccinated. Uh, if you are a federal employee, even subcontracted healthcare workers, lots of millions of workers impacted by that. Now, within that milieu, you also heard the segment in Oregon right down the road from Gus T. You, we could literally, it is 5.38 p.m. Pacific time. We could leave right now. We would be in Portland before 9 p.m. We could have a late dinner. Right down the road as opposed to, oh, yes, our peace officers. They are setting a good example. Everyone wants to be vaccinated. We just heard our president. Uh, yesterday imploring the unvaccinated yes I will roll up my sleeve I will not mention nurse rivers I will get the COVID shot no 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 that's 
uh, and, and, and what I said when they talked about Portland, where they are not going to enforce the mandate vaccine mandate against enforcement officers there, the language they said in our enforcement officers, are they subject to the same mandate? The language was probably not. And they put the document up. That's what it said. Probably not. You had the attorney on. What kind of answer is that? Probably not. That's not legal. That's not sufficient. That's why I said like all of these policy and procedure updates, make sure you read it twice and ask questions. You should have at least all of us, Gus T, all of us should work on getting better at preparing, constructing questions. This is a time where you should have at least one question because this has been widespread. They get these new policies about, you know, what the testing is going to be. If someone tests positive, what the sick leave is going to be and all that. And then you go look at the policy and it's, wait a minute, this, this doesn't make sense at all. How are we going to enforce this? Who is going to enforce? See, you should have lots of questions just to make sure. And it's not that you're trying to be obstinate. You're not trying to play gotcha. This is not a game. You just want to make sure that you understand no ambiguity. I got it. I overstand what. And that should be the case always with policy and procedure. That's why we emphasize it. But I mean, this here, like, oh, no, let's make sure that I got it. Anything where, oh, it's probably not going to be including the enforcement officials. Probably. How do we plan around? Probably. Are you pregnant? Probably. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you remained faithful in this marriage? Probably. I don't think that would satisfy most folks for a response. Let's see. The when they were talking about uh, the exemptions for the vaccine, we've heard about that a few weeks uh, where they said some of the folks are going in. They're getting a physician, medical doctor, whomever, medical professional. Write out the note. Hey, I got, you know, an allergy. I got some sort of complication health problem where it's going to preclude me from getting the jab. Let's say employers looking at that. Hmm. I don't know what they call it. Doubting Thomas. Hmm. Hmm. What quack did you get to sign this? We heard last week, anything with the vaccine where you have an exemption, religious exemption or whatever it is, it's supposed to be looked at with the assumption of sincerity. That's the spirit of the law. That's what they said. Unless you have reason to believe it can't just be that we're going to start off with the presumption that you're lying about all this unless you have evidence reason to do so lots of this is going to go to court I think uh, I don't know if it'll be quite OJ Simpson court TV but it'll be a lot to watch about this in court probably for years Uh, let's see in the same vein we didn't hear a report on this Uh, Dr. Niana Rasayan longtime favorite been a guest uh, many, many times over the years at the cows. I spoke with him uh, last week. I was moping about not having my computer sitting outside and there was a band playing a live band. I called myself. I was going to go to the Apple store because they have a beautiful little pavilion at the U Village Apple store in Seattle. I was going to go sit and call Dr. Rossayan and get an update. 
and I get there and at the beautiful pavilion at the Apple store I get one of the chairs and there is a live concert taking place <laughs> like not not music not a DJ a live concert taking place <laughs> like anywho so as I'm talking to Dr. Rasayan with the melody in the background uh, and he says it, he's a professor teaches students and all that some of that we just talked about with the whole COVID thing so he says some of his students and he's in the science, hard science, uh, medical profession. His students just say, hey, Dr. Rasan, what do you think about this here vaccine situation? He says, oh, I think you should, you know, investigate, uh, study. You all are, are young scholars, so use your brain computer, investigate, and uh, study it seriously. And they said, well, you know, yeah, we got all that. But, I mean, what, what do you think? You know, what, what do you think about us making them take it in the mandate and all that? think you should study it seriously you young scholars look at the available information what evidence do you find said, well, you didn't see you didn't really answer the question dr ross he said uh that's you know really about as much as i have to say about it you know and he said man i'm not going out in public <laughs> have them come back and report. oh dr ross is an old anti-vaxxer did you hear what he was talking about like i think one of our callers he dialed in and said hey my stance my code i do not discuss my vaccination status or anyone else's vaccination status and he said you don't have to make it like you know you're a drill sergeant saying that but just you know that's just not something that i get into like that's your business confidential for me let's move on to something else that is a plus you do not because it's so easy and they get quick with that name called anti-vaxxer when did i say i was an anti-vaxxer and i mean that can have consequences you might be on one of those jobs where the vaccine is required and then there starts to be a rumor that's what they said in the segment lots of rumors going around the rumor starts going oh yeah dr rasayan he's that old radical you know talking to this gus negro on the cows and then he comes in here spewing all this anti-vax rhetoric you do not want that to happen. We already have way too many problems in the system of white supremacy. We do not want to add. Now I'm also thought of as the resident anti-vaxxer. I say this even if you work with exclusively non-white people, exclusively folks who are classified as black. Doesn't matter. It would be the exact same stance unless your job, you are paid to come in here and talk about the COVID-19 vaccine or whatever aspect of it unless that's your job no let's get back to talking about things that are work related and you can give it to them clean I do not discuss my status or the vaccination status of anyone else thank you kindly let's get back to work safely watching what you say very important Uh, let's see they even did that to old Gus T. I was on Twitter. I just reported what President Biden said. He said, hey, we are going to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. Now, they just they had said the opposite of that before. They were saying if you're vaccinated, you're protected. It's the unvaccinated who are unsafe. That's what they said. And then they also said we, the vaccinated, we are not responsible for protecting the unvaccinated. That's what they said. Now you have to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. A lot of name calling there, too. I don't even know what you're talking about. 
All that notwithstanding, I posted what the president said and nothing else. I didn't give out a medical recommendation. I'm not a medical professional. And someone hopped in. Gus, are you anti-vax? I never said I am anti-vax. I've said one title. Victim of white supremacy. All of the rest of it, I think I've said pretty consistently. Take this seriously. I'm not a medical professional. I certainly do not have a recommendation about the vaccine, yay or nay. Let's see. When they talked about Portland, now this is where they said, hey, the enforcement officers, they probably are not going to be subject to this mandate, whatever that means. Going to court on that one, too. Now, they said most officers have been vaccinated and that's another one now wait a minute you say most officers now i know just paying attention to the little bit of statistics that they are talking in california right beneath oregon uh most so does that mean like 51 percent of the officers are vaccinated 55 percent of the officers are vaccinated 50.1 percent of the officers are vaccinated like most that's a not very precise that's what i said about a lot of this policy and procedure the information has been very imprecise vague jumbled nonsensical even let's see when they got to president biden that was w nyc public radio brian lair white man suspected racist now the fella called in he's questioning like you know if you're vaccinated, you can still spread the vaccine. And I mean, you can still spread the virus. You can still contract the virus. Like, I don't know. And he compares it to black people. They thought black people had diseases, you know, syphilis and all that bad. blood. we heard all that still do. Uh, and they said the same thing about Jews. Brian Lair hops in and said, hey, hey, quite frank. He said, started off. He said, oh, God. Now, that that's another one. That's curious. That's that's uh, I don't often hear that amongst a journalist at NPR respond in such a way to a guest or caller, frankly, invocation of the Lord. And then to say, frankly, it's offensive. Watch that word. I'm not sure if it's in the word guide, but uh, offensive again, uh, as though we have little, little sensitive children and their feelings get hurt and you'll offend them saying things like that and say it was racist. Stereotypical. It was offensive i don't even know what that means other than what i just said sounding like you're a little we have little children listening little g-rated uh negro children and non-white children you'll hurt their little sensitive feelings uh let's see the same thing with the imprecision now when they came around and they talked about now are the postal workers included in this and it started with i'm gonna have to check and see and they came back and said you know I'm not sure. Lots of rumors going around. Have to investigate that one. What do you mean? (laughs) That's when you read those policies and procedures, you should have at least two questions. Like it. I'm very certain. I will take it any wager. The vast majority of these policies and procedures that have been written under these conditions by people frequently who have no medical expertise at all, like myself, they're writing sloppy policy and I've seen this regularly and I mean when I say sloppy it's not logical it doesn't make sense you can't even begin to enforce it or understand it 
This stretches back even before COVID. I know this from a personal experience. I've just seen where white people on the job, human resources or whichever other white people get to sit down and are in charge of all of this. They can't even get the dress code written in a logical manner and addressing some of the same things about who's going to enforce this. I know I worked one job. This is a state job. They had a policy about undergarments and appropriate undergarments for the workplace. Hordes of people looked at that. Who is going to enforce this? You have screeners. You have to go in the bathroom. Do you have TSA officials? They come. All right. Got to check your boxers today. Not to mention, like, did you explain what is appropriate undergarments? I don't even remember that detail being included. Read it carefully. If you get any policy procedure updates, I say read it two times. You should have at least two questions. Uh, Let's see. I guess I can pause there for the moment. Uh, The email until justice at gmail.com. If you have commentary you would like to share, if you would like to share on your work situation and how it has changed under COVID-19, that would be super uh, appreciated just to get more details uh, about what's happening to folks uh, specifically. And we have folks who work in so many different fields. Uh, We could get a, hopefully a better understanding in a lot of different ways of what is happening and maybe some strategies to uh, deal with things that are happening. But the email, if you have concerns about your voice being identified and want to make sure you have some anonymity uh, until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com. If you have a situation to share and or if you have commentary, uh, strategies codification on what's being shared on the broadcast Uh, for folks who are dialing in 720-716-7300 the code 564-943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate no spectating let's see wacky some of the investors folks are spectating said that uh, way too many folks uh, listening even if all of you said hey they are not mistreating me and things are fine in the workplace that in and of itself would be astounding given the current conditions on the planet on the planet not just here in this so called country on the planet over the last two years that would be amazing Uh, while folks are hopefully taking a moment to get their uh, thoughts together uh, one thing that I will say, you work out in a job in public where folks are coming in, it kind of even wouldn't matter like what particular field, if you're at a bank, uh, if you work at some sort of retail outlet, whatever it is, shopping complex, anything really, sold cars, anything, jewelry, whatever, I would really be alert uh, about any potential for violence. I said that, been saying that for a minute, like talk to human resources talk to other people on your job this doesn't even have to be presented with the language of racism white supremacy this is just about safety uh just talking uh to different cows listeners and different safety concerns coming up certainly i mean you got the huge one with covid19 the vaccine and blah 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 and all that uh but safety just in terms of unruly 
individuals in the workplace, frequently individuals classified as white, like a major problem. Uh, and I'm not surprised you have lots of folks who are stressed, anxious, financially stressed, stressed, even trying to figure out what the updated policy and procedure is. Lots of reasons for folks to have anxiety uh, and it's been sustained anxiety. But man, in public, that is playing out in lots of different situations where it is just total hazard danger. They had a report this week, uh, flight attendants. They were taking like self-defense classes and all the rest of it because there's been so much unruly behavior. And a number of these reports, they were showing non-white flight attendants who were talking about all the violence from passengers and non-compliance and being attacked and feeling unsafe and unsafe when you're thousands of miles in the sky. Even if your feet on the ground be mindful of safety. Uh, I would maybe go over safety protocol with your manager or request that they kind of update policy and procedure things to be on the lookout for people that are raising their voice, cursing, behaving in an unprofessional manner and real. Hey, I don't feel safe. We're in a work environment. This is not, you know, where you're at home and everybody can be loud and rowdy and that sort of thing. Like it would be a really low tolerance, low threshold for any sort of aggressive, hostile behavior in what's supposed to be a professional workplace setting. And you could just say that, like, you know, I'm feeling unsafe. Your conduct's not professional right now. Got to step away, exit the conversation, however you need to phrase it. Like I said, I would already talk to management, human resources about this. If you deal retail, whatever it is, really, you deal with the public just because conduct has been so violent and erratic. Uh, and I would say increasingly so. Be mindful of your safety. Take it serious. Take it super serious, uh, especially if you are a non-white black person in a work environment. That includes COVID-19. Absolutely. But violence like woof, there has been so they just had a gun battle at the gas station in Louisiana like days ago. They had the storm and gas gas shortages and all the rest of it like whew, super dangerous times that extends to the workplace. We read Gavin DeBecker, the gift of fear. He talked about that with they call red flags uh, in the workplace, potential signs for danger. Maybe go back and take a refresher. You can either listen or just read that uh, chapter, that section. Uh, but take anything like that. I would say even any, you know, folks that are being loud and rowdy and how they're talking to other folks in a work environment, like, Let's calm all of that down. Let's use our inside professional voice and how we talk to others. Everything would be about courtesy, professionally, professionalism, promoting a safe work environment. I would just safety, safety, safety. Keep using that word over and over and in the spirit of being preventive. All that talk about 9-11 preventive. Let's see. <clears throat> Uh, Bay Area mom uh, Bay Area mom should be with us uh, if you have commentary to share feel free
be heard. <laughs> uh, yes, ma'am. We can hear you. Oh, thank you. Sorry about that. Greetings to everyone on the line and however else they can connect. Workplace racism. So I wanted to talk about the vaccinations. Uh, <laughs> ooh, it's getting thick. Um, they're really uh, pushing this uh, the vaccines with at work. I uh, even saw something that said uh, vaccinate or die. So, uh, you know, like get vaccinated or die. That's just how uh, rough the language is. At my, um, where I work, they're, they're, I guess if I read the mail, they're saying that as well. They're saying um, not just die, but uh, we have until I think the middle of October, the 18th or something like that, and to uh, have our vaccination card uploaded. Um, I might be able to do that. But... Um, yeah, they're tightening up as far as um, terrorizing the people to get uh, vaccinated. And then I noticed that with the uh, people that aren't classified as white, you're really, it's really, the, the words are very harsh and the, the tone is, is real abrupt. Um, I, I've noticed that as well. Um, so for the, for the week at my job, I'm, I, I took off um, a week because my AM client was sick. Um, they rushed and got a doctor's clearance. But it wasn't a real doctor's clearance when I got there. It was more like a on the, at the elementary school, <laughs> they do COVID testing. So they allegedly did a COVID test on the little girl, and that was the clearance. And as far as the adults, they got cleared. Uh, the grandma didn't go get cleared because she was scared to go because she didn't want anyone looking at her because her cough is so um, brutal. And she didn't want, you know, how, how it goes and staring at you like you coughing out rage. So, um... She didn't go, and she still sounds sick. The little girl, I had an overlap. Okay, I guess the mom went because they were having these testing sites at her school, at the school that she works at, the mom, after she's contaminated it. So um, didn't stop anybody from working or doing anything. I'm sure the little girl never stopped going to school, but I just stopped going in the home. Um, so I was cleared to go back on Tuesday. Probably was cleared to go back on Monday, but I didn't go until Tuesday. Um uh, the little girl, her throat, you can hear rattling in her throat, but um, I guess she's fine. I don't know. Um, my supervisor uh, overlapped with me for my AM today, and she noticed the the sound of the um, little girl as well. She's like, her voice sounds heavy. It's like, yeah, it is a bit raspy. It's probably from that cold that she just had. So um, I had to be a little more cautious around, oh God, I don't know what's going on, but it, it's just, it's interesting. And then with the children going to school, uh, they're um, con con um, contacting, they're in contact with other children and contracting these 
whatever it is, cold, flu, whatever it is, Delta. So that's scary. And then with the other guy that I have in the PM, he had his, the school, his school he was going to go to, they've had three outbreaks. He hasn't made it there and catch anything, but they've had three outbreaks. Um, oh dear. It's, it's interesting. Even when I was in the, uh, uh, what is that? No, the Welsing Institute last night, one of the gentlemen was sick. He had just gotten over that Delta strand. So it's just, hmm, it's <sighs> something else. Um, and then I'm thinking back to just the different ways that they, they gain control with these new viruses um so right now we're on COVID so um we'll we'll see um I I figured out a way just with my my PM my little the black boy I figured out a way since I don't get any help from the supervisor um I figured out a way to get him to to run my goals with him so um, what I do is with the uh, material that was given to me from the supervisor, I take it, I put Velcro on the card that I use to get him to look at this, say this, do this. And um, I have a small little binder. It's, small, it's not normal size for normal paper. It's more like a phone book binder. It's small. And I put this Velcro on that. So I have, I stick the cards on the binder and whatever he has, I don't care what it is, I just take it. And then, you know, he's about to uh, knock my whole head down the street. But I just say, hey, wait, oh, you want this? Oh, okay, well, give me this. So he's, so he'll take it and um, give it to me. Um, So that's how I get to get him to run the goals. I had to figure out different ways on my own because my supervisor, is not concerned. Um, I don't mean my supervisor. I mean the Spanish-speaking white one. She's not concerned, and she's the supervisor over that case, and she was a supervisor prior uh, on my AM case. So my black supervisor told me today that she talked to the lady and the supervisor, and what the lady, the Spanish-speaking uh, white lady, was saying was it was me, and that's the reason why the little boy isn't thriving. So the black supervisor said, oh, no, because I went, I did both of your cases. I have two of your cases with her, and there's a complete difference. They both were the same. There was no structure. Everybody was all over the place. She had to run all over the house trying to run these goals because there was no structure. And she created structure. I literally created, with the help of the black supervisor, I created some kind of structure to where I can get the child to sit down and do some of this stuff or a lot of this stuff, I even able to get her to get on the pot, which was an impossible goal. So uh, with the little boy, I just had to take it on my, upon myself because I'm not, I, I don't even expect help from this lady anymore. I just expect her to come in and say little stuff and go out. I don't even expect her to come in person in real life, but I do want the boy to excel to the best of his ability with all the ruckus going on in the house. 
And even with all the ruckus going on in the house, he has a 16-year-old brother that had eight seizures two days ago. So I can kind of, I have a particular compassion for the black family because I feel some kind of way for the mom. She has two children on the spectrum and her firstborn, even though they shut her, the second one, the little boy that I oversee, they shut him down instantly at one. I'm just making it up because I I just believe that it was the uh, vaccinations, uh, that measles, mump, rubella cocktail that shut him down. So that's why I'm saying shut him down. So with the vaccinations by one year old, he was, it was over. He was, whatever he was doing at one, it stopped. At two, it stopped with the 16 year old, but he, his seizures are, his seizures are awful, awful. Um, so I'm sure that has something to do with the way the houses ran too, or not ran. Um, and, and, and that, and that's all, that's all for now. And, uh, thanks for, uh, allowing me to speak and I'll mute my line. Much obliged to Bay Area mom. They always find some way to blame the black people and say, yeah, that's crazy. You're, the little child is not thriving and it's because of you. That's why the problem is happening. Like, always blame the black person. Um, in turn, like the, I said safety. I said safety. Now she said the, the, one of the, I guess, older folks in the house, the grandmother, um, being sickly and then she didn't want to go be tested and they, I guess they were able to get the one of the children tested uh, at school or wherever just man like see and that too what is the protocol like in terms of the workplace like man it seems like we might you know they might have a COVID-19 positive should they be quarantined should services be paused uh, until you know we figure out that uh, can we do something virtual like do they have all that? Has all that been discussed, you know, in the sort of environment that we've been operating in now for two years? That's, you know, one, I would say for safety uh, and then making sure that you value, especially if it's going to be, I can just be thrown in any sort of environment where I have to go and talk to these people and be in proximity. And then not only are you not looking out for me to make sure that I'm safe, then you turn around. Oh, it's your fault. Child didn't raise you. It's you. It's you. Like, dang, like zero. We just had Labor Day, like no appreciation at all. I thought that I don't even get the bang on the skillet. Like, right. on. I've been doing hard work. No, no it's just my. OK, blame the black. Yes, yes. It's my fault. The person is not thriving. Dr. Welsing would say again, um, when you play around with sex, the joke is on the offspring consistently. Um, I guess on the one hand, I think that's awesome, like to be. She said she has compassion, sympathy for uh, black families where they don't have resources and just trying to help as best she can in the system of white supremacy uh, and figuring out ways to get the lesson or goals uh, that you have for these young black children, sharing them, especially with this young black boy. Like, that's fantastic. But I mean, oh, Jesus, like it's like you're having to. The people, your supervisor, your coworkers, the people who should be empowering you so that you thrive and so that everybody, you and the young children that you serve so that everybody's thriving. It's the exact opposite. Like I'm having to work 
around uh, and figure out some sort of uh, codification, compensation, really, uh, for you all being an obstacle to me doing my job, to me doing quality work to help these children. Unfortunately, that is consistent. And then she said, uh, pestering her uh, about getting the vaccine, which is, you know, going to be the case uh, big time. I don't know if they're giving the exemption uh, exception where you can uh, claim some sort of exemption or just do weekly testing or if they're nope, got to be vaccinated or that's that. Um, some places have taken a very uh, hard stance, draconian stance, some may say, uh, while other, you heard in Portland, like, hey, probably not going to be able to enforce this on the enforcement officers. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. The email again, until justice at gmail.com. Feel free, write in, let us know how you are dealing with the whole COVID-19 situation and or just racism, white supremacy in the workplace. While folks get their commentary thoughts together, uh, we should be here for the compensatory call in on Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We'll catch up on what has gone down the last week. Actually, we'll be here tomorrow now we can pay attention to see how much anniversary uh, talk they have for 9-11. I'm sure I've seen uh, that word used in association with tomorrow and 20 years since 9-11. Certainly nothing to celebrate the 9-11 attacks or the 20 years subsequent. Everything that has happened since then. We'll talk about that. Lots of white supremacy racism uh, within the last two decades and policy. Talk about policy and procedure changes at the airport and all the rest of it, like, wow, lots can be traced to 9-11. But that'll be tomorrow, uh, Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. In fact, one of those reports where they were talking about, where I mentioned previously, folks who work, uh, I said stewardesses, but they do have some male flight attendants too. Flight attendants where they were talking about taking self-defense classes, other forms of codification to counter compensate for all the violence terrorism that they have experienced this year. I said one, they put that no fly list together. I believe in response to nine 11, I had to go back, double check to make sure that I'm accurate. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You get on a flight and are causing a disturbance about a mask or whatever else you should be on the no fly list for the rest of the pandemic, maybe longer. That's one. Two, in some of those reports, they said specifically, they did the comparison. They said after 9-11 happened, everybody was on our team, meaning the uh, flight staff, like people would come in and we got your back and we're here to be safe and rah, rah. And you all are, you know, the greatest and blah, blah. And all the rest of it. Everybody was, you know, totally down safety, security and supporting airline staff and crew right on this time around. Total opposite. They They come in and they. The metaphor I think used was we are a punching band. They come a punching bag. Uh, they come in. Customers come in to be violent, rude, oppositional, defiant white people. I think that should be specified. They're the ones who've been doing all the unnecessary traveling in the midst of all this. Let's see. Double check again. Uh, see if folks have thoughts, observations uh, to share. Again, 
uh, some of the uh, spectating, like, I have no idea where cows listen, or at least the live folks, no idea where they work at, where things are that peaceful, no mistreatment happening, and no real issues with COVID-19, like policy and procedure has made sense, has been enforced properly, no breakouts, no major disruptions. Everything has been, you know, normal operations. That would be uh, astounding under these conditions. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully folks at least are being mindful about things that are happening there. I would take lots of notes. I cannot emphasize that enough. Sometimes it's not about if you personally are being mistreated. Sometimes you have to observe what's happening in general in the workplace, particularly around COVID-19 and all that, like being super observant. Sometimes you might have to check. It's a man. Nathan hasn't been here for five days. What's going on? And then, oh, Nathan is quarantining. Mm. (laughs) Maybe they tell us this information. Maybe they don't be hyper vigilant uh, about your workplace uh, in these days, just about what's hyper vigilant, hyper vigilant with policy and procedure and other details as much as you can just to uh, try to maintain some bit of safety. Uh, Let's see Uh, if folks are all spectating. I don't know. Maybe they are all working from home and uh, just doing their Zoom meetings and what have you and get to hang out in their residence and their flip-flops all day long. If that is the case, well, then you should have codification for Zoom as well. Uh, What's in your background, having this specific setup for where you're going to be at and all that good stuff, not laxing into being uh, too colloquial with your chatter and using emojis and all the rest. You are still operating uh, in a work professional capacity so hopefully that's reflected if we have lots of folks who've just been zooming it up uh, over the past few months or what have you uh, if folks are, are spectating we'll hang out maybe give uh, another 20 minutes or so if folks are just spectating uh, but again there should be lots to comment on the vaccine has anybody been pressured we heard that from Bay Area mom being pressured uh, to get the vaccine or maybe even pressured because you did get the vaccine. Like, uh, man, it's all over. I can't emphasize that enough. Like, I don't care who you work with, white people, non-white people. It makes absolutely no difference. I, I can work with my family member. No conversations about the bat. Like, that's right up there. We're talking about racism. Like, nothing not when I got vaccinated, if I got vaccinated, what type of vaccine I was in. I do not discuss my or my colleagues vaccination status, confidential information. Thank you kindly. Hopefully we can all stay safe. Let's get back to work or talking about workplace related things. You would be amazed how quickly you can be labeled an anti-vaxxer or like I said, depends on, you know, where you are. Like they might be upset because you did get the vaccine or talk. nothing, nothing to be caned. I've not heard anyone. I was, oh, man, I got a raise. I was on there and talking about the vaccine and we just brought it up and it worked out great, man. I've been trying to get this promotion for the last five years, but all I had to do is go in there and bring up the vaccine and everything cleared. I've not heard that from any non-white person really i haven't heard that from any white person either all i've heard is that uh see what contentious that's what they said like oh it's been contentious 
Let's see. A uh, person who dialed in three zero nine eight three zero nine eight. If you have commentary, feel free. Good evening, Gus. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, participants. Uh, may I be heard? Yes, sir. We can hear you. Spectacular. Uh, um, yeah, I just want to update you. I guess when I called a few weeks ago, talking about my um, company's um, mandate for vaccination or testing, they have since rescinded it due to. I said it's a um, very um, contentious, that's a good word, contentious or and or confusing implementation because they did not specify, you know, like, like you said, having people ask questions, there's a bunch of questions they asked and they had no no answers laid out for, for me as a supervisor to give to my charges to um, uh, alleviate their concerns. So I, mean, I guess the unions have also mounted a opposition to the implementation. So I just want to update that. Um, I have a, had a uh, story about the anti-blackness that permeates all our workplaces. I should I try to share briefly. Um, an operator let somebody who was not qualified operate some machinery and subsequently it was shared on social media. And subsequently he was um he was punished, uh, possibly terminated for his action. But the aftermath of people blaming him saying he should well it wasn't lack of judgment, but the, the amount of vitriol was very surprising and like I said, somebody like that, as I'm learning I noticed it right away and I tried not to participate in that. And it's just interesting. I just want to share that to you for I'll do my line. Thank you. Mm. Was the person who was not qualified to operate the machine machinery, was it a black person or was it a yeah, someone other than a black person? Yeah. No, they were both um, black and white. Mm. Whew. Man, oh man. Anti-blackness in the workplace. Uh, incidentally, uh, many workplaces, I mean, hey, it's basically 2022. Many workplaces have social media policies at this point. So that sort of thing, like just going on and you want to put a video up of an employee, you know, doing whatever maybe doing something constructive, maybe doing something silly, maybe breaking policy and procedure. A lot of times that in and of itself can be a violation. Like you can't just be willy nilly uh, taking pictures and putting them online uh, of things in the workplace. So that's definitely one. I would make sure I evaluate the social media, (coughs) excuse me, evaluate the social media policy to see if that's even uh, permitted uh, to have you just chatting it up or clicking it up and posting videos or whatever else it is Uh, in terms of the policy and procedure being confusing. That's been all year long. Even uh, you can rewind all the way back to March of last year. It's been two years basically of confusion and nonsense. Uh, And some of, like I said, 
You don't have to go in. This is an outrage. I'm not going to do it. And this policy is rubbish. And it, it, you can go in as cool as you please. Good morning or morning, Miss Johnson. Morning, Mr. You know, Robertson. Great to see everyone. Hope we're all doing safe and feeling well. No, thank you. I don't need any peanuts. Uh, I just had a quick question. I know you all put a lot of time and effort uh, into the policy and procedure. Just had a couple quick questions here uh, about the implementation. Uh Uh-oh. All you got to do, that's why I said, just maybe two questions. Whole meeting shut down. How is this going to be implemented? Uh Uh-oh. That's all you need. No cursing, no stomping, no nothing. He said all it took was some questioning. Wait a minute. This isn't exactly as clear as we have. Never mind. Never mind. We we're going to rescind the mandate. And that was that. Just ask what. And uh, I don't know if it was uh, non-white people or white people like, hey, if you have white people there, sometimes you might even be able to kick back. You can have your questions at the ready. But if you have individuals classified as white, they might have all the questions that are needed to get this whole policy trashed. So, hey, not so it's been tons of that it's been amazing it's been absolutely amazing i've never just i can only say this happens frequently not just with covid but policy and procedure where it doesn't make any sense at all you don't have to jump up and down you don't have to call names you don't have to curse all you have to do is get them to explain like what can you give us a definition what does this mean inappropriate what does this mean the implementation how is that going to be done who are the people that will be responsible for implementation to check to make sure that these measures are being followed sometimes that's all it takes get really good at asking questions and for this one you will ask better questions like read the policy and procedure two times any updates or things that come down take your time too you can take it we had what they call a long weekend right Labor Day Take your time. You can break up, read two, three pages a day and really slowly get my highlighter. Hmm. Do I know what this means? Is this explained? Because they'll have different definitions in the workplace context. So I do. I know what this means in this context. Let me highlight that. Maybe I'll just need to get them to explain what they mean with this term, you know, or whatever else. But read it slow. Read it twice. At least two questions. Uh, the anti-blackness, or I guess even before I get to that, like, man, policy and procedure. Uh, that's what we've been talking about lots anyway. Man, in the workplace environment, a lot of times they will have policy about uh, specific, especially if you work with <clears throat> specialized machinery or equipment. A lot of times they'll have policy about who's supposed to operate that or if you're supposed to be certified, licensed, trained, whatever it is. I have heard regularly where it'll be some black person, whether it's another black person someone classified as white whatever they get duped into using this equipment and i mean sometimes it's not just for the giggles and ha 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 so we can post something to embarrass you sometimes it might be uh oh see if we can get this person fired or demoted or at least get some sort of you know uh written notification in their personnel record like oh yeah you know 
back in summer of 2021. You were operating the forklift, you know, running around. We got pictures of it and everything. They got the surveillance video. Oh, yeah, we'll keep that in mind when it's promotion time. Can't be reckless in the workplace. That sort of thing. Policy and procedure, even if it's even if it's another black person. He said anti-blackness, even if it's another black person. Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Come on. You can drive the, the lift or whatever it is. Operate the crane, whatever it is like. Don't do it. Like, nah, I don't think that's in, in line with policy and procedure. I don't think I have that much seniority yet. Be really, really mindful of that. Kind of got to be a stickler for policy and procedure if you are a black person in a system of white supremacy that will lead you away from the cliff more often than not. Especially if you know policy and procedure well. Uh, let's see. Number again, much obliged, sir. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. That's another one where I think I've said for years, if you're in a workplace environment, speak, behave as though you are being recorded. There's video surveillance, uh, someone who's transcribing everything that has been said, all of that. That's how you should function in the workplace. That also keep that in mind when some, someone comes up and recommends that you do something that is in violation of policy and procedure. Like, oh, I'm probably being recorded right now. They're going to see me doing this. Hmm. I better behave. Let's see. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, uh, land should be o- line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Uh, greetings, retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, sir. Greetings, Gus. Greetings to everyone. Uh, I'm probably going to uh, go well off from what uh, the uh, platform is today on uh, workplace racism, but I think it's something that that is uh, essential. Is kind of like the uh, ABCs of what not to do when you are employed. Do not steal on your job, from your job. Do not steal from your job. Even if, even if it's a, a pencil, do not steal. Uh, the logic has it that the greatest thieves on the planet Earth are white people. Therefore, they are well aware of the capacity of non-white people being able to steal. Therefore, they can nab you any time they want. Not only would you get fired, you would also probably end up in prison for something that's not even worth the risk. Something that is Something that is, you're, in other words, you you you'll be in you'll be in dire straits for stealing something 
that doesn't even amount up to the amount of risk that you've take you've took. Uh, it, it's constantly you know read read about it in the newspaper or hear about it on the news that this uh, law enforcement officer, non-white, male or female, stole something that they probably would make in their salary within about another month or so. Some some professional politician, non-white, black, male or female, basically would lose their job and go to prison for something that was not even worth the risk. Uh, they are constantly watching us all the time, and they would know they would know the symptoms of what type of theft has taken place. Why? Because they are the experts at it. They're the experts at doing it. If you need something that bad, you'll be probably better off in most cases by just going to them and asking for it. Ask them for it. Not only would they give you that particular product, they probably would state, well, well, since you want this this folder, there's the elementary school down the street down there where the children would very much can use these backpacks. Wouldn't you mind being a part of a committee that can do that? You know, I mean, it's that's the worst thing that 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 you can do, and you have to resist that temptation of 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 stealing something from your job because. If it's something, if, if it's worth it to white people, you will get caught. You will get caught. If it's something that they figure, well, you know, this is too much right here, uh, and I'm going to have to do something about this, they will find you. They will deal with you. And like I said, not only would you lose your job. In a lot of cases, you also would do some time in prison. Uh, this came from my, my motivation for saying this is because, uh, a, a friend of mine, guy I grew up with sent me this, actually it's kind of like a little old report about, uh, a couple of ex NFL players that, uh, was caught for defrauding the NFL uh, uh, for a program that's actually meant for them, for the retired guys to be able to, uh, uh, for medical care or something like that. And they were defrauding them by getting monies that, that they were writing down, they were writing down was for something legit, but actually they weren't using it for, for legitimate purposes and whatnot. And they were caught and one of them uh, admitted to it, I guess, from the standpoint to get a lighter sentence, a lighter sentence. And you know, the ironic thing about it, the, the program that they were defrauding was named after a black male who was one of the greatest office linemen in NFL history, the late Gene Upshaw, who was also the head of the players union for a number of years. This is this is the program that they were actually caught stealing from. 
you know, and so that's that's just my uh, my uh, uh, advice report. You know, don't don't be tempted, don't be tempted to take anything uh, on your job. Thank you. Hmm. Much obliged, retired firefighter in Florida. That one, in addition to being on the 10 stops right up there with no name calling and no gossiping, uh, no stealing right there. Um, the master stealers, thieves, is what I was going to say. Uh, a racist man, racist woman, racist child. And uh, hey, these days, I think I just said they got surveillance, cameras recordings auditors like all kinds of means of double checking and making sure all over the place (laughs) that if you have a tiny minority dominating the majority of people on the planet gotta have lots of means of keeping tabs keeping an eye on them make sure they're not you know being devious trying to undermine what's happening here and uh yeah getting a red end they already think of and accuse black people anyway so yeah get a reputation as squeaky clean not I keep a reputation uh, <laughs> that's even in I think uh, 40 hours and an unwritten rule uh, which is written by a victim of white supremacy even in that text black people are described as being thieves and uh they will just, you know, take anything that's not nailed down in a workplace where, again, the master thieves are white. So, yeah, that is definitely excellent, uh, excellent advice uh, for young folks, especially starting out in a work environment. And I actually saw the report. <clears throat> Retired firefighter is mentioning, uh, I think, Clinton Portis, who uh, graduated the University of Miami, won a national championship, I believe, had a lengthy NFL career. Lots of brain damage uh, with all that football, but uh, he and some others, uh, I'm reading from a different report now. Uh, Clinton Portis broke the law, but it doesn't mean he was wrong. Would the men that defrauded the league have done this if the NFL hadn't been screwing over black players for years? By Karen J. Phillips, written Wednesday of this week. Uh, on a rare occasion, it's possible to be both the culprit and the victim. And in this case, in the case of Clinton Portis and 14 other players, who allegedly defrauded the NFL of millions. That seems to be it. Portis is facing federal prison time. After pleading guilty for his part in defrauding the Gene Upshaw, black male, NFL player health reimbursement account plan, a health care system created in 2006 to help retired players cover their medical expenses for all that brain damage, Portis said that he knowingly and voluntarily joined the conspiracy, there's that word, to commit the fraud and has promised to pay back roughly $100,000 he received. The scheme included fabricated claims and false documents that led to kickbacks. In In total, the players were able to scam nearly $4 million from the fund. To put that in perspective, Portis made $43.1 million during his career. However, that was before he lost a lot of that to dirty money managers. I think that's in the word guide. I wonder if these managers are white. Hmm. In all, Portis, Tamarek Vanover, Robert McCune, Joe Horn, Corel Buckhalter, 
Carlos Rogers, James Butler, Etrick Pruitt, Seandris Brown, John Eubanks, Antoine Odom, Daryl Reed, Anthony Montgomery, Frederick Bennett, Frederick Bennett, and Reach Caldwell have all pleaded guilty in taking part in the scheme. Man, I wonder if that's a lot of black males. Hmm. Oh, everything about black football players defrauding a health care fund named after the league's first, first black leader of, play, of the Players Union feels wrong, and it is. Uh, I'm going to skip down. She talks about the recent Najee Davenport and others who filed about the brain damage, as I said, just to give the uh, conclusion where she writes, uh, it's undeniable that Clinton Portis and those 14 other men broke the law, but it's also easy to see why they did it. They wanted retribution from a league that has historically stolen from men like them. And while their acts were illegal, it doesn't mean that they were wrong, because if anyone should be facing potential time in prison, it should be the suits that run at the NFL white individuals who run the NFL. But again, this is uh, Karen J. Phillips. Clinton Portis broke the law, but it doesn't mean he was wrong. can't believe it. This is like 15 black males in total. Like, wow. And this is fed time. Black. A lot of of children are going to be without an attempted father for years. That's just one of the the uh, reflected issues that goes beyond just those individuals. You know, I mean, wow. Not worth it. Bedtime, like, wow. Uh, No stealing in the workplace. Absolutely. And shouldn't there be some compassion? They got brain damage. They are not expected to make the best decisions. Um, man, much obliged, uh, retired firefighter in Florida. Go Canes. Uh, let's see. Number again is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star six one if you would like to participate. I will say quickly, uh, since the NFL did come up briefly, uh, that right there, I could have played a whole segment on workplace racism where they've talked about the whole all of the different protocols for players who are not vaccinated and how it can end up being really like financially costly. If they have some sort of outbreak or they have to like cancel a game or postpone a game, uh, it's, it's heavily weighted to penalize uh, unvaccinated players and or teams that employ unvaccinated players. And there have been white NFL players who've even come out and said, ah, I don't want to do this. I'm not with this whole vaccine thing and lost sponsors got in trouble, you know, all the rest of it. But same thing. Lots of folks uh, who've come out, uh, you know, for whatever reason to talk that they have concerns or that they do not want to get the vaccine. Certainly I do not think it's black people, but man, the NFL that has been fascinating uh, just, and to see how all of this plays out uh, over the season. Are they actually going to have to, 
stop a game? Are they going to have to go through with some of these policies? Because I think one of the penalties, if they have to actually suspend the game, the team where that had the folks testing positive, no one on the team gets paid. I think if I read it correctly, that's the policy. So, I mean, you can imagine you got folks that might, we might be talking for one week, not getting a quarter of a million dollars for some folks could be substantially more than that. Some of these folks have huge salaries like talk about wage theft. We shall see Uh, other folks who dialed in. uh, If you have commentary to share line should be open. Proceed. Greetings to Gus, a host listeners and callers. Can I be heard? Greetings, young academic. Yes, sir. Gus, I appreciate your tireless work and consistency. Uh, Instead of teaching like I originally planned this year, I'm a co-teacher responsible for uh, tracking special education students, three classes and whatever redundant busy work they can find. Uh, I work two jobs, one before and one after school. And the... uh, in the before school, I'm not a contracted employee, and vaccines have been made mandatory for all adults in the building. Principals are responsible for implementation of policy by checking vaccine status. So far, I am, since I, I work under a substitute and I'm not, I'm not a contracted employee, employee, vaccines have not been, uh, my vaccine status has not been checked. I'm still uh, unsure and quite afraid to ask because I don't want to further reveal my status. This was announced the first week of school during a week-long development for teachers. uh, Hold on. Oh, the mask policy is that masks must remain on. To get around... Uh, this policy decision, students and teachers wear their masks below their chin if they wear them, them at all. The students and teachers that do follow the policy, policy always seem to have their nose exposed or remove them to talk in order to better be heard. Social distancing is a joke. Instead of the mandatory three-foot requirement, students are one foot apart. Uh, a, a white teacher admitted today in class to the students that he uh, cheated his ass off during the pandemic on the test and assessment. And he cheated his ass off on the test and the uh, assessments over the pandemic. And uh, like him, he was finally paying, like them, he was finally uh, paying the price. He identifies with the students by using uh, slang and basketball references and uh, Jordans and hip hop music. Oh, and I thought you would be excited to know that we are starting to read The Hasty Gift. Uh, the book was introduced with an opening trailer, and students were uh, asked to respond. The uh, most confused students uh, stated that the Black individual deserves what he got because he did not follow the officer's direct instructions. Others stated that Black people just try and live but die. Uh Oh, uh, to use intersectionality to uh, introduce the book, uh, talked about racism, but did not provide a definition for uh, racism and said that uh, Latin 
Latina and Latino was a race. Uh, stated that racism can go both ways. Uh, uh, only non-white students in this class. I cringe the entire class as we read the book. Uh, that's all I have. I meet my line. Caller in Georgia is called the New American Classic. The hate you give. Oh, I'm so glad. I said that before. I was giving out my list of books that we read in the book club where I oh, I could not wait to finish the book. Like I hated it and wanted to end the book as soon as possible. Like, do we have to finish this? Can we read something else? And I said explicitly, the hate you give is not on that list. It is formally the worst book ever. However, we read that book because I thought, ooh, lots of folks, lots of victims, black children are going to be reading this trash in school and the confusion. The conf- if I wasn't confused before reading that, oh, I'm going to be confused now and <laughs> have somebody up in front intersectionality. Yes, yes, yes. What do you think about Khalil being shot? Oh, he deserved what he got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Didn't do what the officer said. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, they had a whole classroom full of white students who not wearing a mask. They called in the resource officer, Officer Slam. He didn't put the bonic elbow smash on him. He didn't put the full Nelson on him. He said, oh, man, you all should be wearing a mask. You know, they got rules. Sometimes it's a death sentence, a death sentence to not obey. Sometimes not. Racism goes both ways. That's what great question. Uh, this what I said. If they read it in school, if you have offspring and they have to read this in school, Bam, the cows. All you have to do is go to the archives and just listen to the archives. We read the entire book not even that long ago, two years back. Absolutely right. Remembering it like it was yesterday. They trashed Dr. Huey P. Newton. Talk about black misandry. Uh, And then the, oh, yeah. Formerly worst book ever. And we discussed it with Dr. Martin Kaborkian when he visited with us uh, last summer. We talked about the movie and wove in the uh, book as well. Uh, Let's see. The Cheating. I just read uh, the report. I think we might have shared it on air. Maybe we did. Maybe not. Uh, But Oh, I I shared it online. Uh, NPR had reports of cheating at colleges soar. During the pandemic, I'm sure that would count for high school, grade school, you know, all of it. Operation Varsity Blues talks about all this in detail, but I am not surprised uh, being virtual what they call. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give the honor code wink, wink that. Yes, I will not cheat or use any unwarranted resources on this examination assessment test. Yes. Honor code wink, wink. And then they want to talk about meritocracy, right? Had had young academic struggling. He's talked to, I'm trying to do this with honor and integrity. He never came on. He's like, I'm trying to game the system, man. I got my cheat sheet. I'm going in here. I got it on my phone. I'm ready to get down. I'm studying, paying money out, investing my time and energy to take the exam. Are they cheating on that exam too? 
Probably. Let's see. The uh, who gets to go brag about that? That's even that. Now let's say that's what I did do. I stayed home. I cheated. What do you say? I cheated my ass off. Is that is there enough blackmail privilege where I can come out in public and brag about having done this and fear no repercussions? Hmm. Brilliant decision, in my opinion, young academic to uh, not bring. I said not talking about it if they are not making an issue about it. And that in conjunction with the fact that it seems like they're not taking this real serious, not social distancing. They're not wearing a mask. They're not going to wear it correctly. That's sort of like we've heard some of that before where people are doing that deliberately just to mock the whole concept of wearing a mask. Like, oh, I'll have it on and just wear it backwards or like, is it wear it under my chin? That sort of thing. If it's that sort of environment, I would be surprised if they even get to the point of, you know, oh, okay, that's right. We got some of the substitutes here and folks who are in a different grouping like, oh, yes, you you, you all are also vaccinated. And let's get your vaccine status in here immediately. Like they might have moved on to other things. So, yeah, that might be the best way to go. I would just worry about my own personal safety and make sure you're seeing, you know, how reckless that they're being about things. Just making sure that you do it as best you can uh, to take it serious and, you know, be safe. But does not, that's why I said it depends on where you are. Some environments bring it up that you're vaccinated. That might be a problem. Some environments, depending on where you are, not vaccinated may be a problem. Just it is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Other than white supremacy, racism. Number again, much obliged uh, young academic man. And that's the school working in the school system. Now, see, I could repeat what he say. White people don't care about children. What kind of example are they setting? They're in the school with the children and I can't even wear my mask correctly. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943 pound press star six one if you would like to participate uh, let's see other folks who dialed in if you have commentary to share uh, observations thoughts again the uh, covid situation alone has prompted so many changes and trying to figure out what's happening and i know folks you know trying to fi- even figure out the vaccine are you being pressured into doing this or what have you? Are they taking it serious? Are they making a mockery of this? We've heard a number of folks who said the latter. They're making a mockery of this. They're not even taking it serious. Distancing. None of that. They're bringing in potluck dinners and all. This problem could be with us for a long time, unfortunately. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Greetings. We can hear you. Yes, ma'am. Greetings. Yes. It's been a minute, and um, I just had the opportunity to listen. I'm enjoying the program. Excellent information, as always, and and very interesting. This whole um, situation, I'll say, is, is very bizarre from day one until now. I, you know, 
you know, I, I know there's a lot of things that's being said, but it's very difficult to sort truth from total fiction, if you know what I mean. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm in healthcare, so I've been following it quite closely. And the decisions that have been made don't make any sense. So I, I you know, I know they have, you know, labels for stuff like this, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the end game is. I'm certain it's not to um, ensure the health and well-being of the people. That's, that's the only thing that's clear because they're, you know, the the most of misinformation is coming from the official sources and the the people that um, are very knowledgeable to help develop uh, some of these things they are silenced they are um, yeah they cannot their their whole uh, life work is removed from the internet all kinds of crazy stuff. So. So I don't know what's happening and don't know why, but I imagine sooner or later, you know, the truth will come out. But hopefully before um, more harm is done. And that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) So, but again, I'm enjoying the program and um, hopefully I'll be able to listen in on a, a more regular basis. Now on my life is um, turned upside down since the last time I talked to you a couple of years back. So. It has been wacky. Much obliged for uh, dialing in to uh, dialing in to share. In uh, long time listener investor. I think lots of us, unfortunately, are saying that uh, life has been turned upside down over the past uh, year, two years at this point, whatever it is. Um, and it has been. It's been so confused. I guess you said being in the health field, are they requiring where you are at? Are they requiring folks to be vaccinated and then enforcing it? Or has it been crazy and confusing there, too? Well, and just think about it. For a year and a half, you know, frontline workers you know, risk their lives caring for patients, right? You know, they did, you know, they did everything, working horrendous shifts, you know, overtime, you know, to take care of patients. Now, it's either take the you-know-what or you're going to be fired. Does that make sense? If if the you-know-what works, then what is the risk to a person that's taking it from the person that's not? The person that hasn't taken it, the, what, how can they harm the person that's taking the successful treatment? That doesn't make sense either, but that's the threat they have. Well, they're going to, and they're going after the, the, you know, people that haven't taken it. For some reason, so it's just bizarre. And so, what are you going to do without all these healthcare workers? Because a lot of them are quitting right now as we speak. You know, after all this, you're demanding they take 
the you know so-called preventative measure really and so so it's it's going to get worse before it gets better i don't see any improvement anytime soon i could be wrong hopefully i am but uh yeah they've already said they have a shortage of healthcare workers uh and yeah i've i've said that they've had folks in a large swath of professions, uh, law enforcement, healthcare, firefighters <laughs> said, Hey, if you're going to be enforcing this mandate, I'm going to get my resignation together. Even they said here in Washington state, we have a uh, fair, I'm looking at it right now, <laughs> sitting at Alki beach. So they have a ferry system where you can take Seattle has islands. People didn't even know that, I suspect, who haven't visited out here. So there are island, islands that uh, are around the uh, city. You can take the ferry and go to, like, the Vashon Islands or Bainbridge Island or Whidbey Island, whatever. Um, ferry operators. You can hop on something. You can, you know, drive your car on and boop, boop, boop. There you go. Um, they are concerned that there may not be enough ferry operators because Governor uh, Inslee here in Washington State made a uh, vaccine mandate for state employees and all that healthcare workers included in that previous caller was talking about. <clears throat> and there were tons of law enforcement officer officers included. Psh, looks like we will be doing early retirement enough that they said, man, it looks like there are a lot of people going on the website to look about early retirement for state workers. <laughs> like, It's going to be worse before it gets better. And incidentally, I point that out as white power. Yeah, I'm sure there are probably some non-white people who are going to leave as well. I think we even had some non-white people who cows listeners who said they were retiring early because this looks, you know, way too crazy. Um, my suspicion is that there are more white, especially here in Washington state, where they're talking about the ferry operators and all the rest. They're talking about a lot of white people who have the power who in the middle of a pandemic where they're talking about mass evictions and furloughs and layoffs and all the rest of it have the power. I'm cool. My body, my choice. I'm out of here. I'll get another job. That is flexing tough. Unless I don't know, unless we have a lot of cows listeners who take that because we do have some. They did do that. I don't know if they flexed real tough about it, but we do have some people who said, oh, yeah, I'm done retiring. But I mean, it seems like there are a lot of white people who they don't have too much uncertainty or fear that they're going to be out of work and miss their mortgage and that sort of thing. Have to dip into their child's college fund like, man, nah, I'm good. And and I'm good on that shot, too. <laughs> like, man, nah, I'll just get a new job like that is not privilege. That is not black male privilege. That is white power. Exactly. And they are the ones, you know, they, the propaganda was that, you know, we were the ones that were, you know, resisting. No, (laughs) they were doing, you know, their numbers are much higher than ours, but they don't talk about that. They point the finger at us. And we don't, and I don't really think, Yes, we're vaccine hesitant, but, you know, we got good reason, especially given that, you know, it's been um, 
emergency authorized? I mean, there's a long list of questions that they don't answer. So, so we'll see. But, you know, as long as the powerful people are doing it, you know, they they might have to, I think the current president may have to back up some of that, you know, uh, mandatory stuff to make his people happy. We shall see. They were talking about kidnapping Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmore in Michigan around the coast. Even the recall in California, some of that is around the COVID. They were upset about Governor Newsom uh, and his COVID restrictions. So you have lots of white people, not black people talking about Tuskegee and Nurse Rivers, white people, even white people in Appalachia. They had the governor in West Virginia this week who are saying, no, they're not doing this. I don't care about the job mandate or anything else, the school mandate. I'm not getting the jab. Just not, and then trying to blame us to the racial component, but uh, much obliged, uh, man, for the medical uh, update and has been wild, especially if what she's saying, if, if it's not just ferry operators, because they've said, man, we had uh, cows investor. She said, man, they normally get my trash trash Wednesday morning. By the time nine o'clock rolls around, the sun is up good. Trash is empty. This week, trash didn't get emptied until Thursday. Related to the co- not having enough workers. It's been so many jobs and, and places where they're having shortages and it's causing all sorts of disruptions uh, to service. They even said uh, in Chicago or Illinois, yeah, I think it was Chicago specifically. They said that they were concerned about having enough teachers to start the uh, school year. Now, some of that is the vaccine mandate. We're the same thing. Just heard uh, teachers. <laughs> Peace sign. I'm good. Cash me out. Not even getting involved with that. Not even teachers, bus drivers said they're not even sure they have enough bus drivers. Now, they furloughed some of the bus drivers in Illinois uh, and folks did the same thing that they did, like with the airlines and other things like, oh, they're going to kick us out. We should find a better job. We won't get furloughed next time. They didn't come back. And they got the vaccine mandate. And now this is at uh, WGN. I had to go and make sure I pulled up the report to make sure that people you know, wouldn't say that I was uh, making things up or what have you. They had it. <clears throat> they had it in the report that it was Chicago specifically having a tough time getting bus drivers. They said even they think some of this is because I guess they have recreational cannabis uh, in Chicago now with all the stress of the past two years. I guess some of the drivers have said I will partake to calm my jangled nerves. They still drug test for the bus company. So some of them either can't or are not interested in passing a drug test to get this job back now crazy they said it's so crazy they said they some of the students they were having to put like three students in a seat which is no kinds of social distancing right but and it was like they were unsure if they could even get all the students bust and or it was taking like hours to get them transported home all of that just craziness ongoing just never ending craziness all areas of people activity the number again is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if 
you would like to participate. No spectating. Uh, other folks, if you have commentary, observations to share, proceed. May I be heard? Caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I wanted to begin with uh, some updates from the uh, past couple of days. Um, the first one, uh, in terms of the, well, I'll say the, the, the COVID ones, um, toward the end, but I wanted to start out with, we were sent an email about, they're going to be doing some kind of a training on active shooter, uh, back in, I believe that was 2018. I think they was trying to do that. Um, then I think it got canceled and then they tried to do it in 2019. I couldn't remember what happened then. So now I guess they're trying to do this again. So, um, there's an acronym. It's called Alice. I'm trying to remember what the words were. I think, uh, alert and a couple of other words, but she, the supervisor, white woman, walked up to me and said that there are going to be three dates coming up for it. And I just didn't get, um, I don't know, I guess I can say a good, I didn't get a good vibe. I just don't think it was constructive. I do think that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's worth them mentioning what to do in terms of an active shooting, but just my thoughts on it with how, where I particularly work, the structure is different than a lot of the other places. Um, and like when she started mentioning, they're going to be talking about, oh, what signs to look for and what makes someone suspicious or you no, know, she said if someone looks suspicious and then I pondered the question, you know, what constitutes is a suspicious person. Um, so I've just been thinking about if I'm going to go to this training or not. It's supposed to be like on one on the 23rd, or, and then it's supposed to be one next month. But I just think it's just racism, the, the culture. There's so much injustice. Like I don't think they're taking it serious to practice justice up to this point. Um and what I mean by that is I brought up the situation with a customer a few weeks ago who's been coming in. Um, I guess he has some mental health issues, and she never sent out any email or anything to talk about any kind of protocol to go on if this person comes in. So, you know, this guy was saying, I'm the field nigga. You know what I mean? So I said... But I didn't say that, but that's what he was saying. 
when they arrested him. I said, I'm like, an arrest took place. Uh, what, you know, that is, and I thought about how they're looking at this guy. You know, this guy's homeless. Uh, he pushes around a cart, but he, you know, he's a black person. So you know, they don't care whether if you're so-called homeless or if you have a, uh, you know, a couple of dollars, if you have some money or whatever, the white coworkers, a lot of them exhibit and project their uh, white supremacist ideals onto a lot of black customers. But I just, I, I just basically say that I still have to think about it because of the, you know, I didn't say this, but I, I'm saying internalizing it myself, saying it myself, that the issues with injustice and racism, and like you say, guys, um, safety and so many unsafe practices that they engage in. Uh, so I said I'll get back to her on that. And to end on this first one, she was saying that uh, they're going to also be talking about how you can press the panic button, which is also what caused that terrorism uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, what do you know? The other two um, ladies in the department, they have a button under the desk that they've been assigned, but I don't have a button, right? I don't have a button. And she tried to act all surprised, you know, and I thought, well, that word, Miss Andrew. Um, so I just, I just kind of just sat there uh, and just listened to her saying whatever she said. So I don't know if she's going to work on trying to get me a panic button. I don't know. But I just wanted to start with that because um, I've already been going through some of these things, you know, for years with these um like administrative people and top tier white people or whatever. So I wanted to start with that one. Uh, next one is when when I bring in the mail in the mornings, right? So um, this white woman, the supervisor, and the white woman that's um, named the warden and the black male court director, they. Um, sort through the mail that I bring in. So when they're finished, either the white female supervisor or the black male, they will bring an empty mail bin across from where I'm seated. They know where the mail bin stack once they they're done. You um are taking the mail out of the bin, so they'll bring the empty bin where I'm seated. The warden, white woman, she refuses to come by where I am, okay? And it's become so obvious now uh, that I've gotten to the nuance of noticing that she sits, whether it is one empty bin or two empty mail bins, in the back hallway next to the administrative area where they have their offices at. So what I've noticed is that the white woman supervisor, she will bring the mail bin 
that the warden, another white woman, sat in the back hall to the stacked mail bins. So I'm thinking that's that, that quote that, that I know you say, Gus, about white people are not ignorant because that is giving me more evidence that uh, racism is practiced against me. And also on top of that, she's not doing anything to oppose it. And they take that approach also. Well, if he's not going to say anything, I'm definitely not. And even if I did, they're going to act like, oh, well, you know, it's not anything. Uh, um, I just thought I'd just bring it on over. But she knows that that's mistreated me because she can bring the bin over and the black male can bring the bin over. But why can't she bring it over? So that's, I wanted to explain that as well uh, as an act of racism. Uh, I wanted to share also that we had a white person start in the area that I, that I work in, someone I think classified as white. She started in June, right? How about when I get back into work on Thursday, yesterday, uh, I see an email titled resignation. So she's quit already not even barely after two months. So, and I start with that to say, I'm asking her, I said, so you on the countdown already, huh? So she says, yeah, uh, I got a new job offer and I just couldn't refuse it. It's going to be paying more money. And I just said, I just had to take it. So she said she enjoyed this job, but she said she got an interview, right? Uh, and at first she wasn't going to take the job. All right. So all of a sudden, maybe like a day later, another person called her back to say that they will offer her more money. And then, you know, she was just, I guess, surprised by it from what she's telling me. Uh, and she was like, but I'm not really that qualified and be to be a, uh, a legal assistant or something like that, or a secretary or whatever. She's saying she's not qualified enough, and they still are saying that. And we we don't you know we don't care. We we like you. We'll help you out. We'll get you the training. We don't even we don't like that other girl. Now nah, I want to know who this quote other girl was. They didn't say, but she didn't say a racial classification. She didn't. Even, she claimed she didn't see this person. But I'm like, man, all of the benefits. And the power definitely is power um, being given. You know, she's saying that these these people are just constantly requesting or giving a good rec- recommendations, et cetera. Um, so I'm just constantly just asking questions because I'm going to use this because it took 25 weeks for them to get this person. And she said the supervisor, quote, unquote, said that she – was the perfect employee. That's what um, word she used to describe her. Now, she's they are obviously going to have to find somebody else, a so-called qualified candidate, which is more racist code word they like to use in these emails. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to share the some of the, the COVID uh, and one more. Um, we had 
a, a white woman in the traffic area, um, her and the guy that she's with, they they work in the same office, and they're you know dating, they're together or whatever. So number one, they were both out from the beginning of the week because she tested positive. So since she tested positive, more than likely this other white man tested positive. And then in another department, another white woman tested positive. Uh, the warden comes by and says, um, well, <laughs> since it's only been three days, you know, it shouldn't really basically be a nonchalant again, just like a cup, like a week or two ago. And the victim that explained this to me was this disappointed. So also along with that, the manager in the traffic department also had a husband that tested positive. So she's been exposed. So she's been out also. So definitely uh, things are getting worse in that regard. Um, and I, I wanted to end out with there was a sexual comment, I think, um, shared with me. And they were trying, this white woman was talking about key lime pie or whatever. So I was like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. You know, I'm drinking my water and everything. You know my reputation. So she's like, yeah, I understand that. But I would really like it if you if you got a piece of the pie or something like that. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, you know, I don't really eat anything here at work or whatever. So she says, oh, my feelings are hurt. Your words cut me deep. I said, it ain't even that serious. You know, so I'm walking off. And she says, uh, oh, Blank, you know that I'm just kidding with you. Uh, but, you know, I really wanted you to get some of my pie. And the way she said that. Like, that sounded sexual to me, like you're talking about vagina or something. So um, I want to, like, I, I didn't really get upset. I just gave her that look, like, you know, like, don't try me like that. You know what I mean? So um, she hadn't made a comment like that to me again. And that's all I wanted to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Ooh. Delectable Negro, indeed. Man, I was thinking of uh, Ray Charles, or I guess it's called Ray, with Jamie Foxx, where he is with, I believe, another black female. She says, come to get some of this black uh, black cobbler, blackberry cobbler. That was it. Yes. I think that is common where people will use uh, food or baked goods, some sort of metaphor for sexual activity. Man, uh, let's see. Go back to the beginning. So the actor shooter training. I just said that they should for sure have it in Florida. Like everybody, they had the Marine fella went down there and shot up all those people this week. Believed he killed a young child. And then today, they had what was it? Uh, it was a thirteen-year-old. They just had the young uh, folks. They were like twelve and thirteen. Were shooting at the police and everything. Had an assault rifle. And they took them into custody. Then today they had two I think it was 13 and 14 they were going to do a Columbine style hit 
on their high school. They had like fi- uh, firearm plans on how to build pipe bombs. Uh, they had maps of where all the surveillance cameras were in the school. Uh, they had a whole list uh, where they had studied uh, the white boys in Columbine. I think that's 1998 for Columbine where they were going to duplicate their activities. Sunshine State. That's what they were doing during the Rona shutdown. We were plan to bomb the school. So, yeah, they should have active shooter drill in uh, Florida. Absolutely. Everybody, whole state, Jacksonville to Miami. Uh, so A, alert, L, lockdown, I, inform, C, counter, which I found interesting, and E, evacuate. I'd be good on the last one, exit. Get out of there as quick as possible. Um, I don't know if it'd be constructed. I would maybe go just because, like, I would hope they would have something that is useful in the midst of all this. But you're right. It could just be a lot of racism and we have someone suspicious in the building and then everyone might look at you like uh it would not surprise me at all or or they might need an example like this is what you do to go through you know the different so you're alert we have a suspicious let's see let's see who can we use here we go all right yes come up here yes you'll be our suspicious individual so this is what you do you alert lock down inform suspicious bang they'll point yeah, maybe they could. They might even have something online uh, in terms of what this training entails, like uh, so you can kind of see if it'll be some useful information or like a brochure. They might even have liter- literature. If they're paying this person to come in and do this training, they might have, you know, a pamphlet, something. However, they hook them into doing all this. Um, I'm not surprised that you do not have a panic button. Uh, if the other white women, white women dominated environment fear of negro rapists uh and other they got the blackmail that they uh called the police on i could see they would have active panic button uh you over in the segregated side i mean they need a panic button for you all like negro alert and they they got the other black females so the 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 queen of evil you need a panic button for you all not the other way around uh let's see the bin or the white woman that is not bringing uh, the bin over where the other employees, I guess, are either expected or relegated to do this. And she's not. I've seen that sort of activity uh, on a pretty regular basis uh, where there will be. Particularly if it's an activity that might involve having contact with other black people and or this is just uh, maybe making it easier so the black people don't have to do this all the time. Uh, I've seen that consistently where white people will just totally I'm not engaged in that at all. Like, nah, you all got that. I'm not doing that at all. I'm not taking the bin over. Whatever. The mail will get there how it gets there. I've seen that sort of activity. I think even Emmy had talked about how they had like a communal trash can in their area. This was like a medical environment and how the white person would never empty the trash. Like all the other folks would go get the bin, take it out, whatever. Nah, that's nigga work. I'm not doing that. Not ignorant about white supremacy. Uh, let's see. If I, unless my memory is bad, now the white woman, I'm calling this her summer fling. She said, I, I just came to the courthouse for the summertime. Kick it, get some benefits for the summer, and then I'm moving off for the autumn. She did her summer fling at the courthouse. I think this was the position that he told us about. They didn't feel like forever had qualified black candidates. Yeah. See, 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 see. 
qualified black candidates who I don't know, maybe they would have stayed longer than three months. And unless my memory is bad, as he said, this is the no count white woman that they had to train. It wasn't even like she was, you know, spectacular or anything at the job. Some babysitting might have been one of the metaphors, but like three months. I'm out of here, man. They offered more money. I mean, she even if that wasn't the metaphor, babysitting and all the rest of it, she just came back and said, I'm not even that qualified, man. I looked at all the qualifications of what they want me to do and legal aid this and I'm not even quite. They called me up and forced it on me, said, we'll give you even more money. How much money do you need? We got to have you. Said the other girl. Hmm. Yes, yes, sir. (laughs) Sorry sorry for the interrupt. Absolutely. Absolutely. See? Don't know if this is a non-white person or not. Could be. But we don't like her. We want you. We'll train you in the same thing. Now, see there, if that's all it is, like, hey, we will take you. We'll train you up so that you can do the job. Well, if that's the case, you could hire a black person and train them up. That could be happening in lots of different fields where it wouldn't have to be. We just can't find any qualified Negroes. So what? Find some Negroes and train them to be qualified. You know how to train. Yes. Hmm. They don't want to do that. And imagine you get more money. You turn down a job that you're not qualified to take and they offer you more money to take it. And then they'll come. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yes, sir. So, okay, so she had to travel a few ways from uh, Stark, Florida, a little a little ways from uh, where I'm at. So I guess this position is uh, state attorney. Um, so I guess it'll be closer to home, and she said it's more money. And then I'm thinking Stark. Now, here's a connection with Stark. That was the bar where the guy, tried, well, he cut the lady – the, he cut the lady throat and start. So, you know, I just want to make that connection. That's the one. That's the one we heard about. The woman who worked at the courthouse and her boyfriend is out doing the Jason Voorhees cutting people out. Woo! They are wilding in Florida, the entire Sunshine State, like Ron DeSantis all the way down. Like, it's been... What in the world? Anybody, if you're planning to go to Florida, like, eh, that's been canceled, like, no visiting Florida, like, they are cutting the fool, literally cutting the fool in Florida. Um, But I, and, uh, see, now that's right there with the white people who are resigning. That's not privilege. That is white power. I don't even have to be qualified, and I can rack up jobs and get increased salary for these jobs that I'm not qualified for. I don't even have to do the Jerry Epstein fake it and make up some qualifications. Nah, I can let them know I'm not qualified. And hey, you are a white woman. You're the one. It, what they said, they said she is the perfect employee. Now, how do they say that in back to back jobs and you're not even qualified? And hang out for three months. That's what the perfect employee does. Hang out for three months. I've been here 10 years. Half-eaten bag of peanuts.
and key lime pie. Incidentally, I didn't even get that one last, but a black female that I know here, born in Seattle, no less, on her job, they would tease her with her name. They would come around and say, oh, you know how I remember what your name is? Aunt Ch- or let me make sure I phrase it correctly. It was Key Lime Pie Aunt Jemima. They said, that's how I remember your name. I looked at like, Key Lime Pie and Aunt Jemima. That's how I remember your name. Her name was not Key, Key Lime, nothing close to Key Lime Pie Aunt Jemima. But that was their mnemonic to remember this black female's name in Seattle. Progressive, as they say. Let's see. Perfect employee. Now, the folks being out for testing positive. Now, see, he's, that's why I said you have to take your safety uh, in your own hands because it's, the, it's been this sort of reckless behavior uh, where folks are testing positive. Maybe they tell you. Maybe they don't. Do they have a protocol for this? Same thing we talked about. Who's going to enforce this to make it? Oh, 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 go home, quarantine, let's, you know, have you out of here for two weeks and then let everybody else know so they can protect themselves. Or are they, as he said, just, eh, it's probably not that big a deal. Eh, it's only been a couple of days. That's, yeah, no risk. <laughs> like, what? That cavalier attitude, same thing that we heard before. Maybe I wear a mask. Maybe I don't. Yeah, it's halfway covering my face. Yeah. COVID schmovid. And that attitude, that's really, that's what I would expect in Florida. That's why I said they've been wilding the whole summer. Governor all the way down. That's what I would expect. Not taking this seriously. Be with us for a long time. And then you take all of that in context and they come, oh my goodness, we love you so much. I made some key lime pie. I just want you to have some of it. Just come on and get a little bit. Just try some of it. No, thank you, ma'am. We got the Rona. Just on my. Oh, I just, just want you to have some of my key lime pie. <laughs> what? What? And now she's out with COVID. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Like. We could even start before we get talk before the dangers like you don't want to be caught with these white women solo in a workplace like run. But I mean, even before we get there, like when you come in the building with what looks like something that is potluck, you may pound cake that you want to share with her. Like it should be human resources. The ba- talk about shank someone. The bailiff should be leaving. Get out of here. What are you doing? We are not doing any potlucks. Save all that for way down the road. Keep your cooties at your house. We're not doing that. I wouldn't even want it if you went, you know, to a retail outlet or whatever and got like the individually sealed snacks, whatever, individually sealed bags of peanuts. Like even that. Now nah, I'm good. Got all your fingerprints on it and everything else. Good. Sanitizer. How about that? Make sure we got enough uh, personal protection uh, around here. That sort of thing. We don't need anything else. Everybody has food we can eat. Thank you kindly. And then they come with the sexual. Like I said, I've heard that before. That's rife uh, in white culture. They got the whole movie series. It's not just one. They made a whole franchise. Call it uh, American Pie. Same type of thing. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> lots of those metaphors, you know, where they do pie or some baked good is supposed to be an allusion to sexual intercourse. Oh, I made this just for you. They even talk. I mean, that's rife without the throughout the culture and romance. Like, oh, you woo someone with the with your pies or baked goods and that sort of thing. Like, man, come on. <laughs> Get a husband, a white husband, and you can give all the baked goods and flirting that you want to do. <sighs> no eating in the even if it wasn't COVID, no eating in the workplace. And I mean, with that sort of thing, like I was thinking all the rest of it, like you don't know if the dog participated in putting this together. Are they going to test positive for the Rona uh, a day later? I wasn't even thinking like, is this some sort of sexual aphrodisiac type of thing? Like. <sighs> I'm good on everything. I'm fasting. I'm allergic. I'm just drinking water. Thank you kindly. Nothing. And reputation. Reputation. I don't eat nothing. I don't care if a black person made it. If I work with my family members, they know I'm not eating anything at work. I can come by the house later and get a slice of sweet potato pie or whatever it is. But on the job, nothing. Reputation. You already know he doesn't eat anything. That's why we keep him in the segregated section. Man, oh man, stay safe in Florida. I can't believe that. They had 13-year-olds, man. I got. I went to find out information on the, I think it was 113 and 114, where the police foiled their plot to emulate Columbine. I couldn't even get information on that because they were going to the shooting at the beginning of the week with the Marine. Not that that should be minimized, but I mean... <laughs> Florida and then they said the anniversary of <laughs> Sunshine State man Ron DeSantis 2024 Ron DeSantis uh, other folks uh, commentary they needed to share much obliged caller uh, at the courthouse stay safe sir oh let's see uh, non-Clemson grad Missy with us as well uh, good evening, um, everyone. I hope everyone is uh, having a wonderful evening. Um, just a couple of things to report. Actually, uh, my wife and I went out on a date tonight to go salsa dancing and had a wonderful time. Um, but we um, called our night short um, as uh, white people started getting onto the floor. And as they were dancing, um, they had uh, beers and liquor in their hands. And um, we thought that that time it was time to call it a night because, as you can imagine, sometimes white people and alcohol just make for a really, really bad mixture. And then, of course, um, for me, um, when I was at work today, we were discussing um, a new road that's um, going to get constructed um, starting in about three years from now in our region as a parallel to a congested road. And... Um, so we had this whole two-hour meeting today where they talked about um, what the um, ha, um, how where the road was going to be built, how, how it's going to be built, the fact that all the intersections are going to be roundabouts. Um, and after they were done with the presentation, after all the engineers from the state had made their presentations, um, me personally, of course, I had questions. Um, I, I asked one of the engineers, um, okay, so you have a um, – what is it called, a planted medium buffer between moving traffic and the sidewalks or the shared use paths that are on the side of the road for people who might be walking. And um, I asked the question, okay, cool, you have the buffer there. Are you going to put trees in a buffer so that when people are walking, 
you know, they have sh um, shade during the summer, you know, the South Carolina summer, or they get shade from the rain because, you know, sometimes it rains here in the South. And um, she responded, uh, no, there will be no trees, even though there's space for it, because they are dangerous to vehicles. Um, so I asked her the question, okay, fine. Um, so, well, before I, she said that, um, she answered the question, she said it's dangerous to vehicles, and the idea is that by not having trees, the vehicles run off the road. Um, of course, they have a little bit of time to recover, so there isn't a serious incident. So I asked her about the idea, okay, cool, let's do, let's do, let's do a car runs up the road and there's no trees there. Um, and, you know, unfortunately the car is um, the driver's unable to recover the vehicle and they continue into the clear zone where there's a sidewalk where people might be walking. Um, um, is it really um, much safer for those people who might be in that clear zone that you're not protecting? by not having trees there, and um, her response is, it's just safer for the vehicle. Um, as I continue to do my studies and, of course, work on my own personal engineering license, um, it is, I, I, I personally have a really hard time talking to these engineers. You, you, you will have conversation with them. They are perfectly okay with some of the negative consequences of some of their decision-making. You know, engineering is not a it's not an easy degree. You have to spend a significant amount of time in school, you know, learning how to do all that math and that science and that physics. And even after they get their degree, um, you know, these are supposed to be, you know, seemingly intelligent people. Um, they get paid, I was I would assume, pretty good money, but it seems like these people don't have to think. And that's absolutely confusing to me. Um you have anything to no, no, my wife fell asleep. So with that, I'm going to mute my line. It is late uh, down uh, in those parts, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, heading towards 11 p.m. It's been a long week, long Friday. Um, and that it, we had talked about that uh, right of way and our conversations around safety on the road uh whose whose road uh is this who's this meant for is this meant for pedestrians is it meant for travelers i think they've even said some of those reports were if you have trees and things that might cause the cars to slow down as opposed to just having all that wide open road where you can ram see if i can get my foot all the way down to the floor on the accelerator and just take off here uh if you are going a little slower might be less likely to lose control of the car and veer off into the sidewalk or a tree or whatever else it is. Um, yeah, I think that was a big part of the discussion. What What is privileged is the motorist, not the pedestrians. No, we're not trying to get you any shade in South Carolina summertime or cover for the rain. We're just trying to make sure these vehicles can go fast. Vroom, vroom. SUVs, probably, and F-150 pickup trucks in South Carolina so that they can go really, really fast. System of racing. I'm looking right now directly across the street at the beach road where they have the sidewalk lined with trees so that you can get shade in the summertime. Cover from rain. Cars have to go a little bit slower and they even have some of those plastic um buffers along the way to help keep the and a bike lane of course to keep the pedestrians and non-drivers safe 
Alki Beach. Much obliged, non-Clemson grad. Pedestrian safety in a system of white supremacy. They tend to have much, much better pedestrian safety in areas with not too many black people. Uh, not an accident, folks. Uh, other folks, any comments, questions they wanted to make sure they get in? Uh, we have about 15 minutes left. If folks are quiet and spectating, then we will not. But any other thoughts, observations folks want to share, COVID-19 situation, workplace in general? check in one more time so we will be here compensatory call in tomorrow uh sat again that's uh not an anniversary it's widely in use september 11 anniversary that is nothing to celebrate in my opinion and really is just death and then all of the destruction and killing of non-white people that followed that and repressive laws used to attack non-white people here and no fly list that could be used right now where they have white defiant passengers who won't even put a mask on a plane uh, disrupting the safety of the entire crew customers on board put them on the no fly list too too logical Uh, but we'll be here tomorrow uh, 9pm Eastern 6pm Pacific compensatory call in uh, review that uh, lots of other tidbits from the past week the young teens in Florida make sure to include that as well like man it has been dangerous times on the plantation uh, invest if you think the cows is constructive racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com listener supported counter racist radio PayPal button is in the top right corner also at cash app address is cash dot app forward slash dollar sign the cows enormous gratitude to all of the investors some of them listening right now uh thanks so much for keeping the cows on the air for a dozen plus years hopefully we have been accurate more often than not uh in providing accurate information suggestions on things non-white people can and should be doing to replace white supremacy with justice immediately let's see Uh, any other comments observations folks want to make sure that they get in before we get ready to wrap things up read your policy and procedure very important Uh, ask quite don't just read it read it with the intention Hey, some of this is not going to make sense. I'm going to have to ask some questions. That's how you're reading it. Expecting there to be something that should be questioned. We'll assume everybody's satisfied for our Friday. May I be heard? Caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, I was able to find a look like the, the Alice uh, training website. Um, uh, I wanted to point that out because I was out. Now, this is more racism because 
I asked, I said, now, is there any kind of other information where I can get uh, pertaining to the hours active shooter training? She was like, oh, no, no. <laughs> she just kept saying dope. And I just, I could just sense that. I could sense that she was lying to me. And I didn't believe her, you know. Um, but that's what, that's what she was saying when she was carrying around the, the pen and paper with the dates on it, with who he wanted to uh, go to this training. So um, I'm going to take a look at what the site says, and it looks like it has some demonstrative videos and things like that. Um, and that's pretty much it. But I, I also wanted to say that a lot of the click gang members are, they, they keep getting uh, the COVID virus. They keep testing positive in the different departments, so I don't know if they could be giving it to each other or uh, or what, but it's mostly people classified as white. The, uh, the warden clan, basically, to use a metaphor, but that that's it. That's all I have. Hmm. Much obliged caller in Florida. I'm not surprised about concealing the information. If it's some sort of, we've heard that so frequently where white people, they get extra training and quality training. Non-white people a lot of times end up having to beg and plead to try to get training where they'll conceal it from us completely. So I'm not surprised that that information uh, was withheld. So you couldn't go and say, oh, what is this Alice training all about? Let me go see. Maybe it'll be worth my time and energy. You got to go. Like I said, like, how did you all find out about it? How did you all get enough information to even hire this person? You had to have something, video, brochure, something. Standard operating procedure. Uh, and then the click, I mean, it's, it's top down in the Sunshine State. It's been so, it's been modeled so thoroughly in terms of not taking this seriously. And we're just going out to cut a fool and not wearing a mask and all the rest of it. It just it does not surprise me. Uh, even folks around there, like, are we going to take it seriously if other people are testing positive? No. Okay. <laughs> like that's the sort of attitude that they're going to have. Uh, yeah, I would expect lots of folks to just keep testing positive and having to go out. And, and then even that they're going to finagle it so you can go home and we'll, we'll cheat and let some of you all use the PTO and everybody else just has to struggle and, you know, scratch and see if they can do the best that they can for themselves. Like, We'll be dealing with this for a long time, I suspect. Not taking it serious and fighting about masks and everything else. Any other comments folks need to get in? Or? We will assume folks are good and catch everyone in about 24 hours for the compensatory call-in. Man, I think uh, non-Clemson grad, he said uh, they went out to do some salsa dancing. We're going to have some fun, do a little date night right on. And then uh, what, what did I say? Worst combination in the known universe, alcohol, individuals classified as white. I, and in fact, I was writing when he was saying they went out salsa dancing. I said, "Uh oh, I bet their alcohol is coming. I was already writing drinking before he even said, oh, they had the beers and liquor. And they, uh, yep, yep. That's what I would expect. And then all the chaos that ensues. Sobriety would be best if you are going out. Be alert. It has been super violent, super dangerous. Even the 13 year olds. All year long. 
Uh, if anybody, if they look like they are being hostile, rowdy, this is not a time to confront strangers. Uh, exit. Alice, what is the last word? The E? Evacuate. That's what you do. You have no idea if this person is armed. You have no idea if they have an entire armed entourage. If you didn't leave your residence, prepare to kill and or die. Evacuate. If you are going to go out and you're driving, you are buckled, really driver or passenger. Uh, If you're driving, you are not on the cell phone. All of your attention should be focused on the road, what's happening around you, avoiding enforcement officers. All of that said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim brother you're a victim i'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning Mm -hmm. even my conditioning has been conditioned (laughs) 